I mean, a gimp? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. What's up? And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello, everyone. And we are going to complete mm. our March into May Madness. Let the games begin! This is madness. It's madness, I tell you, for the love of God! Battle Royale! The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh. You're excited. Feel these nipples. Today, we've got our final four. We're going to yes. have our championship, and then we're going to have a winner. We're going to crown a movie that is absolutely the best, hands down, no arguments after that. <laughs> right. Except for, you know, 10 years from now when we do it again. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> if we're still able to do this podcast that long. That's correct. Down. That's correct. Um we will go over how we got here, though. And well, I'm how did I get here? <laughs> yes. Previously on the bracket. That's right. Previously on the bracket. <laughs> Reading. Um, <laughs> so here's how we got here. In the North region, we started off with our play-in game, Rushmore versus Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and we picked Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Jaws then played Rushmore, and Jaws beat Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Then we had La La Land versus Fargo, and Fargo took that. Goodfellas versus Shawshank Redemption, which I consider still to this day a first round championship round. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I hated letting go of Goodfellas Mm -hmm. that early, but Shawshank took it. Um, And then LA Confidential gets sideways. We picked sideways. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they picked sideways. (laughs) I picked LA Confidential. Uh, But sideways moved on. Aliens versus Gone Baby Gone. We picked Gone Baby Gone. Then it was Silence of the Lambs versus Finding Nemo. We picked Silence of the Lambs. E.T. versus Amelie. Un- another kind of a shocker there. We picked Amelie there. Mm-hmm. Although I still think that's I think that's a good pick, though. I still I don't have any I stand rem- by that pick. I don't have any remorse about that. I don't I don't like the fact that aliens went out so early. Yep. We just watched that recently. Man, that's a good yeah, movie. It's a good one. That man. is such a good movie. Yep. 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 Um, and then uh, in the final one in that bracket was Die Hard versus Star Wars A New Hope. Another championship kind yeah. of bout there in the first round and we we said die hard took it um much to the chagrin of all the star wars fans out there uh then we had jaws versus fargo jaws took that shawshank versus sideways shawshank took that uh gone baby gone versus silence of the lambs silence of the lambs took that amelie and die hard die hard took that i was surprised that gone baby gone didn't last longer than it did yeah i actually saw someone on twitter today that said he just watched Gone Baby Gone, and he doesn't know what to do with his life. And he's like, <laughs> you undersold it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, then we had Jaws versus the Shawshank. This started really getting hard. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Jaws versus the Shawshank Redemption, and much to Jeremy's chagrin, we picked Jaws. <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs versus Die Hard, and Die Hard took it. And to get to our final four entrant here, Jaws versus Die Hard, we took out Jaws with Die Hard. I do not agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) Too late, no backsies. That's right. That's right. Uh, It's just, uh, that's uh, that's just an impossible choice. Yep. I could pick either one 
at any time. What's fascinating to me is how much of this came down to the matchups. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. look at the bracket at the start, I think it's pretty easy to go, well, these are probably the four best movies. Mm-hmm. But it's not about that. It's about who they meet along the way. Yeah. And that's why we ended up losing Goodfellas and then Shawshank. And, and either one of those could have been a Final Four movie. Yep. Yeah, anyway, continue. Uh, then we went uh, onto the East region. We had our play-in game of Field of Dreams versus One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I believe One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest won that, It right? did indeed. Um, and it played Children of Men. Children of Men took that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had <laughs> this is the most con- I think this is the most controversial in this room <laughs> the Dark Knight versus Rocky Rocky took it yeah um, so sad about that that was one that I was probably like while I was talking went back and forth between yeah. the the answer that I was going to give and finally just said all right I have more good things to say about Rocky in the end. And then Jeremy quoted the Dark Knight, Morgan Freeman saying, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we had the right stuff, the right stuff, the right stuff, <laughs> the right stuff, the right stuff, the right the Swedes say it. <laughs> yes, uh, we had the right stuff versus eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Eternal sunshine took that a few good men versus do the right thing. Do the right thing. One there. There will be blood and lost in translation. There will be blood took that. Almost Famous versus No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. Victorious there. Up in the air in Animal House. Up in the air. Moved on. Buzz Much off. to the chagrin to, of our friend Mike, who said Animal House was way better than Up in oh, the Air. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking he about. He doesn't. He really doesn't. <laughs> Poor Mike. Um, <laughs> he's got two kids. Um, so, and then uh, City of God versus The Sixth Sense, which is another big, huge, like, you know, slam bang first round. Mm-hmm. City of God advanced. Well, then, man, talk about a championship matchup. Do the right thing versus a few good men was painful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because that, uh, that's a rough film for a few good men to go up against. It is. It is. Few good men could easily have made it into the Elite Eight mm-hmm. if it had a different path. Yeah. 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 I mean, it would have gone up against, um, what would it have gone up against? It would have gone up against uh, there, uh, There'll Be Blood? No, it would have been, no, Eternal, it been Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. So that would have been a tough one. Yep. Yeah. Um, Children of Men then vanquished Rocky, knocked it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Eternal Sunshine went on to beat Do the Right Thing. There Will Be Blood Against No Country for Old Men was a was one we had done earlier when we did our 2007 year, and mm-hmm. nobody changed their mind on that. There Will Be Blood uh took that and then uh city of god beat up in the air uh then it was children of men versus eternal sunshine children of men advanced Mm -hmm. there will be blood versus city of god and city of god advanced and then the hardest one for me out of the entire uh matchup so far children of men versus city of god children of men took it uh could have been either one it was unanimous but it was it was a really like that was one i was sitting there just kind of going oh man really i really want to vote city of men can't this be (laughs) it can't can't this be the championship um (laughs) all right so then uh in the south region we had our play-in game of the departed versus close encounters of the third kind close encounters took that surprising i think uh yeah yeah definitely um because um i think the departed probably has more dynamic action yeah. and dialogue mm-hmm. and everything but close encounters just puts you in that mood yeah. it's just so well done uh so that meant it was a spielberg versus spielberg uh matchup in the south region schindler's list against close encounters schindler's list took that 
Uh, then we had Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Gravity. Gravity won. <laughs> <laughs> there was somebody on SoundCloud from last episode that is still asking about Gravity. They're like, what am I missing with Gravity? I've watched it twice. And I still don't understand. Oh, please why stop people... watching it if you're not getting it at that point, because yeah. I don't want you to waste your time. Because some some movies just aren't going to hit you. Yeah, and, I guess. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, clearly, yeah. Well, it <laughs> I, seems like it's populist enough to where you know it'd be difficult not to enjoy. I think it's great too. I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted Raiders to win. Yes. Uh, then uh, the Untouchables versus the Prestige. The Untouchables had a sort of a charmed life. Yes, going it through did. Here. And I love the prestige, but you know, we kept talking about the untouchables and how just how well made it is and how out of the park Brian De Palma sort of you know, hits that, you know, that movie and it's just crazy great. <laughs> Christopher Nolan got fucked in this he first did. <laughs> He did. He did. Poor guy. Uh then we had the social network versus American Beauty, and we talked before how American Beauty didn't really match up very well mm-hmm. with a lot of things, even though it's a great movie and we all love it in here. Uh, but the social network advanced there. Out of Sight versus Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park took it. Uh, Alien versus The Shining, which was another really tough oh. one. Um, Alien advanced there. That was uh, rough on me. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was, uh, I mean, yeah, that's just like Jeremy was saying. It's your top two horror movies yeah. of all time really going there. I think it, it's close to mine. Halloween's my favorite horror movie. Mm-hmm. But that has got to be like right there in the top five. Yeah. For me. And it's um, the only Kubrick entry that we had, too. Yep. Yeah, because the only other movie he made, the other two movies he made while we were alive were Barry Lyndon, and, uh, which had no chance in hell, and uh, Full Eyes Metal Jacket shot. and Eyes Wide Shut. Three movies. Eyes Wide Shut wasn't going to make it into this. As much three, as I love yeah. it, it's not going to make it into this. So it was, he only made three other movies in the mm-hmm. time that we've been alive and everything. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, he died just before Eyes Wide Shut. So mm-hmm. we didn't get to see like what his AI would have been and... Of course, you know, AI would have probably been, its release date would have been like this summer. Or yeah. something, you know? <laughs> um, so Alien went on to beat The Shining. Then we had uh, Annie Hall versus When Harry Met Sally. Annie Hall went, uh, went ahead on that one. And then Pulp Fiction versus Stand By Me. Pulp Fiction advanced. Um, Schindler's List versus Gravity then. Schindler's List advanced there. Mm-hmm. The Untouchables versus The Social Network. The Untouchables once again you know went past uh, another it had a it had an easier go of it like i'm not it's almost like we're saying the untouchable is a bad movie or something but it's no, not it goes it's up a against, great movie yeah it's just going up against movies it matches up well against yeah yeah i would like to have seen shawshank have untouchables road to the final four yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah um then uh, jurassic park versus alien we took jurassic park on that one I can't remember. Did I pick Alien on I that? I think you did. I think you did. Yeah, it was it was me and Jeremy. Yeah, because I was. I, yeah, I, yeah. I was. I was sitting there going, you know, man, Alien. I feel like it's a better movie still, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't. I didn't have any problem with Jurassic Park. Uh, Annie Hall. Only one of those movies has Sigourney Weaver in her underwear. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Um, Annie Hall versus Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction got passed there, and then uh, then we had our fi- our in our Sweet Sixteen Schindler's List. Versus the Untouchables, that was the end of the Untouchables, and then Jurassic Park versus Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction advanced there, and then maybe a little bit of surprise to some people. Pulp Fiction beat Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. It is in the final four. It is. It is. Um. 
So then uh, in our final region, or the West region, back to the feet. No, okay, so we had the two towers versus the all, all the president's men in the playing game. The two towers advanced. It played against Back to the Future, and Back to the Future won that. Mm-hmm. Amadeus versus Whiplash. Whiplash <laughs> beat Amadeus. That was, a, that, was a, that was a big one. Yep. It whipped it. It did. It whipped it whipped and it lashed good. it. <laughs> um, the Incredibles versus Monty Python and the Holy Grail. We took the Incredibles there. Uh, Empire Strikes Back versus Boogie Nights. We took Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Ex Machina versus The Descendants. We went with Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. The Usual Suspects versus Seven. That was another matchup we had done basically in 1995. Nobody changed your mind, so it was Usual Suspects. If it was anybody that changed your mind, it would have been me. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it didn't matter. Yeah. Usual Suspects <laughs> advanced. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty versus Brokeback Mountain. We took Brokeback Mountain there. Yep. And that was a really tough matchup. It is. And then the, ma- the, the Matrix versus Fantastic Mr. Fox. The Matrix moved on. Yeah, that was... That was probably one of the easier ones that we had. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox is magical, yeah. but it just doesn't have the substance. No. That's right. Um, Back to the Future then uh, went up against Whiplash. Back to the Future won that. The Incredibles versus Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. continued on yeah. on that one. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's another one that I feel like it may have, you know, sort of took a little... I mean, we love Empire Strikes Back in here, but I, I don't think I expected it to make it that far. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, when you when you size it up, and I, I love how this turned out starting in the second round, going into Sweet 16, where we're at now, to where like we've got a good mix of nostalgia and newer stuff, and then like new classics, too, from like the mid-aughts and that kind of thing. Yeah. Then Ex Machina took on The Usual Suspects, which was a really tough one, but Ex Machina was the winner there. Yeah. Brokeback Mountain versus The Matrix. Matrix took that. Mm-hmm. And then we had Back to the Future versus Empire Strikes Back. Back to the Future won. Ex Machina versus The Matrix, and The Matrix moved on. And then the moment of truth. That was the money shot. That's right. Back to the Future versus The Matrix, uh, the movie that I've always said is my favorite movie of all time. Back to the Future, I chose The Matrix and swung the vote. Boom. And The Matrix is in the final four. And earned my that respect. Goes to show, <laughs> that goes to show how objective I am, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. I believe it does. Um, so our final four is Die Hard versus Children of Men and Pulp Fiction versus The Matrix. And we're going to have some fun today. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, Somebody's going to have some fun. Yeah. It may not be all of us. may not even be us at all. I did. Uh, I, I was a man of my word, and I watched all these movies. Yep, yep. I did too. Um, so we're all men of our word. Nice. We've watched. Yes, yeah. and master of our domain. That's yes, right. Have. That's right. Uh, we watched all four of these movies. I've seen them, and I've seen all four of them in at least the last two weeks, mm-hmm. and um, so Die Hard versus Children of Men, which I think might be the toughest one out of this crew, out of this two matchups. That's here. interesting. I think the other one's tougher. The other one, yeah, you're right. The uh, other one both, might be. T- they're both big they're, contenders. Yeah. yeah, they are. Um, so did we get any new revelations watching these two movies? Die Hard. I got or, one. Yep. The last time that we were talking about this, because as we've progressed through this, we talk about like how the effects have stood up or how if a movie seems dated and that kind of thing. And we mentioned that Die Hard generally is not dated. Mm-hmm. And I brought up, there, you know, there's a couple of effect shots that look maybe, you know, not so good. And one of the examples I, I said was Hans Gruber falling to his death. Yeah, yeah which I totally I, disagree with which, myself. Well, I was like, <laughs> it was funny. You said that sort of as an aside, and I didn't like want to break into the conversation and say, well... That's actually really good effects, yeah. back, especially for back in the day, and even for today. It is. And as, as I went back and rewatched it, 
that shot is perfect. It's amazing, right? It's this slow motion, this realization. He's got the gun and it's seamless. He falls and it, just this wonderful realization on Alan Rickman's face. And then it cuts to the body all the way down yeah, until yeah, yeah. Like, he hits and everyone's like, oh, yeah. that's going to suck. Now, here's one thing that stood out to me on my rewatching of Die Hard. Mm-hmm. It's easy for my brain to think that's where the movie ends. Mm, oh, but yeah, it's yeah. not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because this movie has a little bit of a cheesy ending mm-hmm. when one of the baddies comes up out of the rubble yep. with a gun and we get to give Reginald, whatever his name is, closure, <laughs> and he finally shoots his gun again and to how save the, the day. fuck did Carl get away from that thing he was hanging exactly. from? Yeah. Exactly. How the fuck? He was yep. like, he was basically hanged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's and it was chains. It's yeah. not like rope or anything. He was like, and he was he's way up high. Yeah. Well, apparently, I think they took him down because he was in like a it wasn't a body bag, but he was like covered, wasn't he? He was on a stretcher. So they I took him down, but he had the wherewithal but not only been, to <laughs> rise. Okay, so dead. if he's coming in on the stretcher, I never really thought about that. I I, I just. I always thought that he just came out of nowhere or something. I guess he does have the like sheet coming off. Of yeah, him. but it's it is out of but nowhere. He should have. I mean, he, I think he should have died from <laughs> yes. the, from that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I just, it just stood out to me as a pretty unnecessary mm-hmm. tacked on ending. I think you could have had Hans fall and cut right to Bruce Willis meeting, you know, the cop and mm-hmm. having a hug or whatever, and then done, done that stretchy you know, thing they do at the end of the Die Hard movies when the credits roll and we pan back. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's taller than it should be. Uh, I think that would have been a fine ending. And it's a, it ends up being a little cheesy. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that I think it takes any way, anything away from Die Hard's greatness, but that stood out to me almost more than anything on this viewing. Um, so, yeah, I when I was watching Die Hard again, and this is probably at least the 30th time I've seen this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah I just, I loved how a lot of things that were just put in place uh, came, you know, it's a really well plotted action movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very early on, Ellis is talking about the Rolex that he got uh, Bonnie Bedelia or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like later on, that becomes a big thing. I'll show it to you later or mm-hmm. whatever. And then it becomes like a major thing yeah. uh, towards the end. Uh, just a lot of little things like that. I've always, man, I've always loved the, the part where, you know, uh, Hans is up uh, near the roof and and you know they're doing that little exchange back and forth they're st- they're, they th- they're pretty sure one is the other yeah. well I mean Hans knows that you know John McClane but uh John McClane's pretty sure that's Hans Gruber but he's like uh he's like I'm John McClane he goes he's like I'm Clay Bill Clay and then it shows that thing and it's not only not only does it not just say Bill Clay it says William Clay yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's such a great like detail in there and the way it shot is amazing oh yeah yeah like, kind of like at that upward angle there's a lot of dutch angles yeah. in it and everything but it's uh well jan de bont was the yep. uh was the cinematographer on it but it's just so well shot and well well constructed everything about it the plot of that movie is well constructed that the rest of that scene as it continues where gruber gets the guy he's like oh you're talking in in german which was what i just mm-hmm. started talking in uh but he starts talking in german and he looks around and he's like ah, Hans. And then he shoots, and he's like, "Oh, no bullets! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck you think I'm gonna do? Yeah, you <laughs> think I am fucking stupid?" Well, the other thing is too is the just tremendous use of the widescreen because almost there's so many moments where you just see like the hint of something mm-hmm. in the corner or whatever. 
uh i love how reginald vell johnson's character is walking down the hall and you know of the building and he's like ah forget this yeah, yeah. and you're like at first you're like I think as many times as I saw this movie, I'm like, yeah, typical dumbass cop doesn't want to. Do, he's late, you know, showing he's lazy. If he goes any farther, he he's dies. Dead. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> you know, yeah, because dude's on the other side of the yeah, wall. He's right, right yeah, there. Yeah. It's the way the camera just kind of comes back and you see the the guy just waiting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and like there and just the stuff we you know that that scene we were just talking about up on the roof or near the roof, the the camera shows that gun just hanging out. Oh yeah, by yeah. The door and everything lots of stuff like that even the it. guy the bad guys have pose as the check-in guard is fully in character like <laughs> he's got like a southern accent he's like yeah. talking about the laker game and he's like i got 50 bucks on them assholes yeah, yeah. You know, like exactly like a regular security guard would it's yeah. just everybody's so committed to their part it's why the heist is one of the greatest you know in film history i think yeah yeah um all right so any new revelations from children of men talk about not a cheesy ending <laughs> Yeah, that that movie ends exactly where it should. Right, the cheesy ending there would be he gets resuscitated and yeah. becomes like a surrogate dad to that child, and we see like a ten years later. <laughs> you kind right. of don't you? I, like the first time that I watched that, I almost expected that that was going to happen because this guy has been impenetrable this whole time. I mean, he's been cheating death this entire thing mm-hmm. from that that whole escape from the house with the cars and all that stuff. And yeah, I, I mean. It, the chip is right there they could probably like uh, resuscitate him but no mm-hmm. no it ends perfectly yeah, yeah. i really think so it, i think it takes guts when you're making a film to end on something that's more real and not that hollywood ending people expect and of course the reason we get a lot of these hollywood endings is they do test screenings and the test screenings come back and go oh he should have lived at the end and mm-hmm. gotten together with the girl because americans are stupid um but, you know, every now and then a filmmaker has the clout to say, nope, we're going to end it just like this. Uh, and that's one of those. It's the same sort of thing as uh, Blood Diamond, because Leo gets right to the hill where the plane is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's only the fact that the soldiers are upon them and will kill all three or all, both of them, um, him and J- Jaimon Honsu. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them has to go. One of them has to stay behind. And he dies right there on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it should be from a story standpoint, in yeah. my opinion. It would have been a cheat to have him live. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if there's any difference as far as action is concerned between these two. Like, both of them are incredibly action-packed. Um, both very tense. Both very tense. Of course, uh, Quaron goes on this, like, you know, in, I think that was just an insane shoot. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, how, I don't know how in the world you tell people we're going to shoot all this stuff and it's going to be one shot. You got one chance to make it right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, obviously it was probably like eight or nine or ten chances. They probably even practiced it a bunch before they did it. But uh, I still think that's just insane. Just you guys just imagine you're like, what if you're an extra and you just yeah. like fuck something up? <laughs> you, yeah. You're yeah. fired. It was, uh, I think it was uh, like puking off screen. It's yeah. Like, oh, sorry. I had too much to drink. It was uh, some story uh, in saving private Ryan or Edward Burns uh, fucked up some shot in, uh, in that movie or whatever. And he's like, man, that shot that, that I just fucked up is, is uh, like, a more expensive than any movie that I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a crazy feeling for him. You yeah. know what I mean? Because he had, he did direct a bunch of really low budget uh-huh. indie films that got mostly good reviews, mm-hmm. but that was his first, I mean, that had a huge budget. That's a pretty funny way to look at it. Yeah. 
Um, I do want to, speaking of the one-shot thing, I want to make a clarification because we've had a couple of commenters on SoundCloud say that, well, you know, you can't use that technique in something like an Avengers film because this was in a, in a you know, relatively enclosed space than Children of Men and, and that kind of thing. And the, the example that these commenters use are, that we use all the time is the Avengers where it's mm-hmm. cutting back and forth and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I don't think we're saying that it, it should apply to everything. No. Right. But I also reject the argument that you can't use it in a big space because you look at how they travel through that whole apartment building up and then all the way down. You can use it in, in moderate bunches. The It's the total converse of what we're talking about with the comic book movies is every single frame is a different shot, different angle. Well, this, and this, to this. the fans' credit, I'm seeing a lot more feedback on SoundCloud and Twitter of people saying, I can't look at comic book action movies the same way now. Yeah. You guys have talked so much about how often they cut. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The more audiences become aware of this rapid cutting and dislike it, mm-hmm. I think the more chance we have of it disappearing or at least lowering. Yeah, I'm not even saying that Avengers should have uncut, like, uncut shots yeah. that are amazing like that. I think I would like to see something that at least establishes where everybody is mm-hmm. and where they are in relation to each other. And then if you want to cut, use it sparingly. Right. Uh, for, you know, case in point, Die Hard doesn't quite, you know, it's not like one take right when they're now. doing all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But they, but there's an idea of where everybody is because mm-hmm. of the, it does such a great job telling you what a floor looks like before anything starts happening. And, and when it does cut, you're like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. He's, you know, that's where that, that's where John McClane's going or the John McClane shooting over there. Okay. Yeah. That's where they are. You know, the perfect example is when he first gets on the radio to Hans where like he starts introducing himself Mm -hmm. and he calls himself Roy Rogers and that kind of thing. What he is doing as they're going through that conversation it shows the detonators. He's taken this shit off of the dead body. He's kind of wa- walking through that Japanese-style office and everything. Yeah. You see in the background, at the end of that scene, the elevator light come on, mm-hmm. and then he comes around on the other side and says, yippee ki yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. And that's how you out. fucking establish yeah. all yeah. that shit. Right. Yeah. And that's, a, that's why, that's how you do it. And if, you, if, you're, if you're the Avengers, I don't think you have any other have a problem doing that same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a more enclosed space or whatever, but... Give me a sense of what this, you know, in the age of Ultron, give me a sense <laughs> of what this like city is yeah. and where everything is. And I've, and I've mainly my biggest beef with the action on those movies so far is that just everybody's just beating, uh, you know, they're just beating things down. Yeah. yeah. And that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. you, and, and we're supposed to be all excited. I'm supposed to be all happy because they're wearing a backpack. <laughs> 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 but I, I, i'm you know i'm supposed to be excited about all of this because because oh look at that the hulk's you know pounding them yeah oh thor with his hammer he's pounding them oh captain america with a shield he's pounding them you know it's, it's like it said none of that black widow with her pistol yeah exactly, yeah exactly she's 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 shooting at them um but uh you know, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, hey, Age of Ultron and Joss Whedon should have got, they should have gotten with this like amount of time they have <laughs> and go, 
you know what? Get all of these actors, and they're going to know their shit, and they're going to all do this. We're going to do this in one take, and it's going to be awesome. Now, if they did, it would be that awesome. It would be awesome, yes. But I am at least a little bit forgiving on that. Have you and read any of the stuff about Johnny Depp and his lawsuit with his managers about a little money? Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one, it, one of two things has happened. He's either been embezzled by his managers or he wastes money like no one else and one of the accusations is that for the last five ten years he's employed a guy to feed him his lines in an earpiece right before he says them on on set so he doesn't have to memorize anything hmm. really interesting and i just thought wow and also that's like the wedding planner with jennifer lopez oh yeah Remember sure where she feeds the toast to the best man you see that movie wow. uh yeah I might have been on drugs when I saw it. <laughs> well, I was thinking it was kind of like Brando, which wouldn't be a big surprise since yeah. they did Don Juan DeMargo together. But Brando was long rumored to have had the lines of the movie, like Godfather and stuff, like taped underneath his oh, desk wow, and everything. Yeah, wow. And he's just like doing them right then and there. Yeah. It's like, why should I memorize this shit when it's right there? <laughs> yeah. And I you mean, can hide it. I guess if you can afford to pay somebody to feed your lines and you hate memorizing and you're a super mega rich movie star, go for it. But like, that just seems like <laughs> a guy who's given up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy, the line reader, makes like six million a year. Yeah, seriously. How much money? You know, to keep it quiet, even. like yeah. you gotta pay that guy a lot of money and just to think he had to pay that guy a whole bunch of money for mordecai yeah it's <laughs> so bad it's so bad um all right, all right so let's get down to brass tacks gentlemen mm -hmm. all right that means testicles right uh, i think so yeah uh, that's right i always assumed um die hard and children of men who's first uh, i think it'd be me now by the way i think when we get to the championship we really should do the hold up the the thing like, I okay. don't think any one person should be the guy who decides. That's a good idea. I dig. I dig. Um, Just put it on this. our phones. So, uh, anyway, uh, you're the first one on this? Yeah. And I'm going to have a rough time sleeping if I don't pick Children of Men. Because mm -hmm. uh, the action in Die Hard is terrific. Um, you don't feel it in your gut, though, as you do with Children of Men. Mm -hmm. I think it de deals with certainly bigger themes. Um it's set it's set only 10 years from now mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a little disconcerting yeah well, it was also made what 10 15 years yeah ago, well so. yeah 11 years i guess uh 2006 right so yeah 2006. yeah so everything about that seems plausible enough to raise the stakes a little bit and i mentioned it every time every time somebody shoots a bullet you feel like that bullet is meant for something yeah and and you don't get that anywhere else i mean even in Die Hard, Die Hard's great and everything, but it, you know, the 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 bullets, every bullet doesn't matter in that. Mm. <laughs> you know, no more table. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no. So Children of Men is my selection. Mm, okay, Mister Takagi. Um, yeah. <laughs> I read about it in Forbes. <laughs> um, okay, I made a decision. I think after I watched these movies. And as much as it pains me, I think Die Hard's a better movie. Oh, wow. wow. Um, I think Children of Men is technically more brilliant than anything we've seen in the last 15 years or so. Like, mm -hmm. technically, nothing touches it. Um, and, I, and, I, and it's definitely got the emotional resonance, like we were talking about before, over Die Hard. Mm -hmm. Die Hard's got better characters. It's got, I think, a better plot better plotting 
and the action is insanely great to me. Mm-hmm. And I am, I feel, I feel like I'm more John McClane than I am Clive Owen in Children of Men. Oh, and uh, just because, yeah, we probably wouldn't be able to do what John McClane does, but he at least makes it looks like look like you could do it. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, I think I I won't say anymore, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Die Hard. Here. Well, you're oh. you're right in a sense because he's not buff. You know what I mean? He's not like a guy, a gym rat who's yeah. got huge muscles and can just strong his way through everything. He's got to use his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I made up my mind on how I was voting on this a couple days ago, and I did not anticipate being the deciding vote. You're the decider. There are a lot of things that movies can give us. Right. Like I just said, Fantastic Mr. Fox is magical. It's a Mm -hmm. delightful hour and a half. You'll have a smile on your face for a few hours, but it's not trying to do what either Die Hard or Children of Men are trying to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, you know, I think movies that have a simple goal and hit it is great. You know, there's all those Fast and Furious fans out there are like, if you just turn your brain off, I have a good time. Why can't that be a good movie? Okay, fine. Um I'm voting Children of Men um, ah. because it, I think it does more. Um, Die Hard is basically perfect for what it's trying to be, mm-hmm. uh, and it's fantastically entertaining. But sort of what you were touching on, Barrett, is that that gut element that mm-hmm. um, there's an emotional punch to what to the action I'm seeing in Children of Men, whereas the action I'm seeing in Die Hard is just entertaining me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, and because I have to pick a reason, <laughs> Children of Men is my pick, and uh, I just hope McLean doesn't come for me in the next Die Hard movie. <laughs> I obviously have no problem with Children of Men. Die Hard 6. Yes. Jeremy's I have dead. No problem. <laughs> I have no problem with Children of Men advancing here, uh, but I, I felt like Children of Men was going to win anyway, mm-hmm. um, but that said uh after just assessing which movie am i enjoying the bet the most out of this die hard won it on no i agree i think die hard is the more enjoyable movie for sure now yeah there's a there's honestly though there is a i think there is a good debate as to whether it is a better movie overall because die hard is done very well it's not and it's almost a miracle in itself it came out in 1988 remember in the 80s Movies were just there were I mean there's a lot of insanity. In yeah. yeah, an yeah. action movie back then was what? Beverly Hills Cop. Rambo, yeah. uh it was <laughs> yeah, if Top we're lucky, Gun. It'd be it Beverly was, Hills Cop. It was Rambo, it was Top Gun, uh-huh. it was a lot of these like really ridiculous movies. Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle. <laughs> top, or Top Gun Light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both of those came out the same year though. I only I thought Iron Eagle was like a uh a Top Gun ripoff. They're like, oh, look at what Top Gun did. Let's make Iron Eagle. Nope, they came out the same year. There's even a third one. I can't remember what it is. There's like a third franchise that rips off both of those. Hot Shots? what it's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Legal Eagles? I don't remember what it's called. Legal, Legal yeah. Eagles, which is a, a law movie. Uh, Robert Redford and Daryl Hannah and Deborah Winger. I got Iron Eagle in the brain. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, well, that's the thing. Every time I hear the movie Iron Eagle, there's that announcer named Iron Eagle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to the next matchup is Pulp Fiction and The Matrix. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wow. Um... So what did we what did we learn watching these again? I'll, I'll tell you what I learned, and it wasn't from watching it again, although I did that too. We were talking last time. Jeremy mentioned that Will Smith was was in talks to do or considered doing the Neo role, and we pulled this quote I sent to you guys. 
that uh, that was kind of like some backhanded shade at Canoe. Oh yeah, where he was like, you know, I think uh, I think Keanu did a really good job with Neo because he just let the movie be the star and he didn't feel the need to perform. Oh, <laughs> well, and like, he also I, said, I would perform. Yeah, he said I was stuff. too young and I would have overperformed the role. Yeah, yeah, and I. I think we can and we can infer <laughs> backhanded complimentness, but you know the one compl- one complaint I've seen from fans about us advancing the Matrix so far is that the characters are all bland and boring. Mm-hmm. Now I don't I don't agree with that right off the bat. I think Morpheus is a really engaging character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity is a little bit bland. Mm-hmm. Neo's a little bit bland. My point is I think that's the point. Yeah. Um. That they're they've been dead basically inside as pods serving the computer bosses and whatnot. That's the whole point of Mr. Anderson even getting awoke is that he he can tell something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that is part of what they were going for. Um, so it, it doesn't bother me that the characters are a little bit one note because I feel like that's intentional and, and does let the concept stand out more. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to say that uh, maybe Will Smith was insulting him. I kind of got no, the prob- vibe. Probably not. I just thought was, it was funny. Yeah, but I think he was more <laughs> insulting himself. Like, I was too immature at that point as an actor. Well, he's right. Yeah, I agree, because it's after this that he starts doing stuff like I Am Legend, where mm-hmm. you actually start to see some range. Um, yeah, the it's, it is really weird seeing these movies that you've seen, like, a whole bunch, and you're trying to see if there's anything new you can come out of it with. Uh, the Matrix... Um, I I know that I was I I the it's so cool that you sort of forget to ask questions a lot of times mm-hmm. and I don't think they really properly answered those questions in the sequels or anything mm-hmm. some of it was and everything but there's a lot of stuff in the Matrix I was they kept coming up and saying stuff about and everything and I was just like huh, I don't know oh me too yeah I, I can I ask you a go, question go for it at the end when he's making that phone call to the machine lord or whatever it is. He's saying that he's going to wake all these people up. He's going to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that in the sequels, does nope. he? It, I think it, I think what the Wachowskis were hoping we would believe is that it's just a long process, and they go they have to take a long time to identify which people to wake up first. And oh. but no, I've always had the same issue. The the first one ends with the promise of sequels that don't match what we get. Right. Um. But uh, it doesn't. Doesn't, I don't think it harms the Matrix itself as a movie. No, I don't think so. I, it's just a weird question that I had coming out of it because I think had they gone that route, I think you would have gotten better sequels. You might have. Of, yeah. of saying, like, you know, we're going to lead this uprising as an entire human race, of which there are millions in these pods. Yes. You want to talk about dead, dead characters. It's that Neo fight in the first sequel with the agents in the first 20 yep. minutes of the film. And it. Again, I think that's what they're going for because the agents have upgrades or what have you, but it's lifeless. Yeah, yeah. And you compare that to his battle with um, Agent Smith in the subway from the first movie, mm-hmm. which is just full of emotion and, God, it's just night and day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. We're not uh, here to talk about the sequels. But, uh, but yeah, and, and the uh, the thing with Cypher is, it still bo- bugs me a bit because he... He's, you know, he's sitting there talking to Trinity and saying, like, you know, if he really is the one... I shouldn't be able to pull this plug. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, just fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it does give me my best. I love that moment. My favorite line to quote from that movie is, how can he be the one if he's dead? <laughs> exactly. I've always been. And more he bugged. should be. I've always been more bugged by 
the way it goes down before that, because he sort of intentionally separates himself from Trinity and Neo uh, because he's supposed to go back to the ship and kill everybody. Uh, and when they when Trinity calls in, the operator's like, oh, you're not far from Cypher. And Trinity goes, Cypher? Like she knows he's supposed to be dead. Yeah. And all yeah, they did was yeah. get separated. Yeah, yeah. But she it's almost like the character read the script before she gave her line reading there. <laughs> that line reading has always bugged me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, you know, we're, we're really kind of nitpicking here. Mm-hmm. And that's what we tend to do. But that was one thing that stuck out of me. It was like, why do you why are you asking that question that way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, there was one it was the a great thing about the matrix was it was maybe the first time i watched this and i really actually thought about the way neo should be thinking about how he's interacting with the matrix and everything during that fight scene with morpheus you know morpheus is just like why am i able to was he was he say why, why am i beating you why, why how I, did i beat you why did i beat you and and I and I never really thought about it before because I'm sitting there going, well, because Morpheus, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. That's why you motherfucker. <laughs> and um, and uh, then I was thinking, oh, but he said basically just think it and do it is essentially what he's telling him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's something I never really thought of before watching this. It's like, oh, really? Anything's possible. You just have to be able to think that you can do it and mm-hmm. do it and everything. Oh, and there's that wonderful moment where they slow it down when neo's punches are flying so fast and you see morpheus's expression like holy fuck like he cannot believe that even though he thinks neo is the one he's still shocked by what this guy can do so fast little touches like that all over this movie i Mm -hmm. think another thing i noticed this this viewing is how wonderful uh the oracle character is Mm -hmm. and how that how great that actress played sort of a gandalf style wise but mm-hmm. not giving you all the information. Uh, she just comes in and steals the middle of the movie in that scene. And there's also that wonderful bit where she's like, I can see why she likes you. He's like, who? Not too bright, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I do, I, I do uh, dislike a little bit how everything is like sort of, it, it's sort of this, we've got to go see the Oracle. The Oracle's going to tell us the stuff. And then she decides to just do vagaries. She gives him stuff. reverse psychology. Yeah. Just just for him. And in fact, this was in the sins video that I recently saw too, was she's only vague with Morpheus and Neo mm-hmm. because she tells Trinity that she's going to fall in love with the one. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I understand that she's just trying to, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that though. Like saying, yeah, sorry, kid. You're probably not the one, or whatever. And mm-hmm. then that drives you to be the one yeah. because afterwards he was accepting of it. Yeah. He was just like, "I'm just some guy." Yeah, and that could have been that, except the fact that there was some extraordinary circumstance that got him to think, "All right, I'm going to go do this because I'm just some ordinary guy." Yeah, yeah. I mean, the basic gist is, in order to become the one, he has to believe in himself something greater than he mm-hmm. has previously. And the way the movie shows it is. You know, no one's ever done this before, and, and because it's surprise, will be. But he ends up finding himself to be the one in that breaking into the tower. Mm-hmm. But I think it could have worked just as well with the Oracle saying, "Yep, you're the one." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he could have come out and gone, "I'm the one. Yeah, I can do anything." I think, I think it might have. I think it might have been better if we just didn't hear what she told him. Oh, oh that's, that's a good, a good point. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And he comes out, and and she told me, and then he go, and then Morpheus goes. He, she told you what you needed to hear, mm-hmm. whatever, and that's all. We didn't need to hear the 
the kind of confusing because he like i said he was ready to just be like oh yeah <laughs> well, well thanks, thanks for waking me up guys <laughs> well and that's what frustrates me about that scene is that he only tells neo that so that neo doesn't kill everyone's joy by saying i'm not the one mm-hmm. right because they've told him plenty of things the oracle has told others i think even at that point trinity's already told him on the way there that the oracle said i would fall in love with the one or whatever but it doesn't seem like there's secrecy about what the oracle says except for neo don't mm-hmm. tell anybody mm-hmm. what was said was for you alone and it, maybe that's just morpheus's insecurity coming out in that moment yeah. like i can't bear to hear it if right. you're not the one i don't really know but it's always kind of a little it bit is a fascinating. It's not. It's not a. It's not a negative. It's just one of those weird things in movies where you're just sitting there going, "Is that really the right choice?" I don't know. Anyway, uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. All right, watching this again for about the thirtieth time. What did well. you think? Uh, Any new realizations? It's just. It's interesting. I because of what you guys had said about the Bruce Willis thing, I looked at that scene more than anything in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a couple of things that I came out of this realizing that I didn't really think hard about before or whatever. One is Marcellus Wallace is essentially the main character of this movie. Hmm. He is the glue. He, like he's the nexus, right? Every single story revolves around him yeah. in some way, even right. though he is not on screen, really on screen, uh, except for the one big scene. Uh, every single character, though, that these stories is about is about loyalty to Marcellus Wallace. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really thought of it in that light before. Uh, but you have Jules, who's after after a close call, decides, you know what? I'm not in the right business. And he's going to go tell Marcellus this is my last day. So it's all about who's loyal to what. And then John Travolta, you know, his character, Vince Vega. He has to be loyal. He has to not sleep with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not get her killed. Yeah, not get her killed uh, and all that. Um, and then, you know, Bruce Willis's character, he has to decide. Now, he has a point where he betrays him. And then as he's walking out the door, he's got this realization that I what do, what do you think he turns him back? There's two things all that right. I'm thinking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, you could go on the surface and say, man, the stuff that's going on down there just didn't right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go down there. It could be it could be both of these things I'm about to say. The other thing is, do you think maybe he started walking out the door and going, man, all I'm going to be doing is yeah. running anyway? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the one. I think like this is my ticket. This is my... This is how I clean my slate. Yeah, this is it. Like, this is my only way out, really. Like, he could die, and then, like, the rest of his... If he goes to Indochina, somebody's going to be hiding yeah. in a bowl of rice. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. like, this is the only way uh, that he can both, on a basic humanitarian level, make his conscience clear, but then also write himself off for the for the future stop too. running yeah, yeah. he's that, gonna run for the rest of his life that's the thing that I, I i took out of that more than anything because i would always sort of i think i watched this movie enough to be passive about it where mm-hmm. you're just like and you're just sitting there going oh yeah he, oh, it's messed up he's just going down there and, and helping somebody out who's going through something that nobody should have to go through mm-hmm. it's more than that i think and um and that's something that i came out of that this viewing with um and because it was it was I said, you sit there and think about this character. He, 
he uh he realizes they were waiting for him at his apartment what do you think where else do you think he's gonna go mm-hmm. you know and like you said into china man yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well, mr soon to be living the rest of his short ass life in agonizing pain rapist here <laughs> yeah um that which is great monologue so is great. so good it's, so it's parody but i'm gonna get medieval on your ass but that is so menacing it's great yeah man. yeah it's awesome. that's when tarantino i think that's probably where he got his jollies off and like went off and, and did this whole revenge porn thing with like Django Unchained is where he like Marcellus Wallace is going to fuck this guy's world up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and you'd be cheering for him every step of the way, too. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, obviously, Marcellus could just as simply just turn right around and say, I wouldn't even be in this mess if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. And he's right and and uh and but he lets him go and it's a i don't know it's a really nice touch to this to this uh movie and and uh well and i also think sorry to interrupt i also think part of that is buying bruce's silence like i don't think marcellus is the kind of guy who ever wants to know hell no wants people to know what just happened to him there ain't no you and me right yeah Yeah. and so i think part of it is you stay quiet never come back to california we'll clean slate i think Mm. so they both have something to gain there by that deal yeah um you've lost all your la privileges yeah. <laughs> um what i i am still a little upset though that if the watch was so goddamn important like he's it, this is so important that he's willing to risk his life for it mm-hmm. why didn't he just bring it along take in it with duffel you. bag exactly I, exactly that was one of the things that that on this viewing i was sitting there going this whole thing revolves around his fucking watch yeah yeah and uh and i understand why because yeah his his ancestors went through a lot of shit <laughs> to to, nice. to keep that uh to keep that watch you know uh going through the family line and everything um but at the same time, I'm like, man, if that if that was the most important thing, you could have easily put that in your duffel and you would have been fine. That's true. Yeah, there's no the, reason not to. If the, you know you're throwing the fight and hopping a cab or, you know, not, throw, not throwing the fight and then hopping in a cab to run, just take it with you. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Right at the beginning of that, uh, that Christopher Walken scene where he goes through and tells him about the watch, Butch's mom comes in. Um, and she's like, you remember how I told you that your dad was killed in Vietnam to be in a POW? Yeah, yeah. And the kid's like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, she's gone through this story. And I'm like, wow. You know, the very first time I watched that movie, I was expecting her to say that Christopher Walken was his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, ex- I was just like, remember when I told you your dad died in a POW game? <laughs> he didn't. Well, here's your dad. Oh, that totem pole. Yeah. be here forever. Yes. Um... So yeah, I I I I think I took a little bit more out of it than I had before in, in previous uh, viewings because yeah, after you watch it the first couple of times, you're you're just okay. I'm I'm down with this movie. I understand it. You know, you just pop it in and just kind of like mindlessly watch it after that because mm-hmm. you know when you're actually just watching it, watching it, like looking for stuff and everything, it's a, uh, it's a different experience. And um, I quoted this movie, um, while I was on my vacation with my family this past week and mm-hmm. nobody except my brother knew I was quoting it because I w- got up and went to the bathroom and came back and all the food had been delivered. Oh, yeah. like, Don't you just love it when you go to the bathroom and come back <laughs> to the table and, the food is there. and my mom was like, it's the best. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> One thing about Pulp Fiction that I always wondered about though, they, okay. So, when Mia snorts the heroin, mm-hmm. I always wondered how she overdosed from that. Like, 
I, I thought the real problem was that she snorted something that you're supposed to take through a needle. That's what I thought. And do you still call that an overdose, though? No, it is. Okay, so with, with regular cocaine, so she was making lines of this shit. Mm-hmm. With regular cocaine, if you do like a line, then it takes you to a certain high. With heroin, you take a very concentrated amount, and that's why you you, you boil it or that kind of thing mm-hmm. to to get like the extract, essentially. Okay. If you do an entire line of that shit, especially as powerful as this the madman right, is right, supposed yeah. to be then that's going to lead to an overdose right, so that's right. how i took oh, it listen to Barrett like, dropping yeah, the well, hardcore I, drug I, that was one of the things that i had always wondered about because they said they just they just immediately say oh she's od and like no real and yeah. you know examination or anything like well there's you know there's a white frothy mess coming out of yeah. her mouth and like blood and everything like you know i don't i never understood why the shot to the hurt actually worked because i didn't feel like it was an overdose i just thought it was she did it wrong yeah and, the way that i that i took it is that he took one look at her because she had the baggie in his hand he knew it was in his, yeah, his jacket yeah, yeah. pocket and he saw the the mirror the lines over there and he was like fuck Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm screwed. You know, I do have a problem is. with her. I mean, granted, she's the wife of like a crime lord, but she just takes that shit. Yeah. Oh, what's this? I'm going to do it. <laughs> and also, is she ignorant to not understand it's heroin? To, like, does she think it's Coke because it's like some kind of special high end heroin that looks more like Coke? I don't know. You know, again, this is a silly she- thing that I've thought about because they're out of balloons. Uh, oh. And he he does like a baggie with Twistix, and oh. maybe that's how they pack no, it. That's, typically, it's gotta be that's okay. a, that is a great little detail. By Dude, the way, man, you're killing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that, that, that's an innocuous thing. You're yeah. like, you don't really think much about it, but that's something that you could definitely read between the yeah. lines and everything. Never thought about that. Before. I'm sure Tarantino agrees with me. Yeah, Tarantino yeah. definitely <laughs> or agrees. He will once he hears that. That's right. Yeah. Again, Tarantino, avid listener of the podcast. Yes, that's definitely. Right. Um, the the other thing too I, I I love too is these little, those little things like that because there's the point where Vincent Vega says I'm just gonna take her out and I'm gonna laugh at her fucking jokes and then we're taking her and then there's a whole thing about her yeah, <laughs> telling a telling joke. a joke yeah you know I love stuff like that and he yeah. does have that tiny little giggle after she yeah like, <laughs> yeah 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 catch him yeah <laughs> like although I think I'm a little too petrified to laugh <laughs> yeah it's fine it's not funny you know uh, it um, does sound like a terrible show though I'm glad it didn't get picked Fox up Force Five although man. I was uh, I've read that the Fox Force Five was sort of the basis for what Kill Bill, Kill Bill mm-hmm. people characters were um all right so. Pulp Fiction versus The Matrix. Who's, That's it. Who you start us off, baby. Baby. Um, man, I tell you what. Uh, so many good things about these both of these movies. Yep. Uh, which one engaged me on a different level, and that's going to be Pulp Fiction. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, the Matrix obviously has a lot of, like, uh, you know, great philosophical things that you know you sit there and you think about that like oh i never really thought about that before what if we are in the matrix yeah but pulp fiction i i just i love the characters in this i love how everything's plotted i love how those little things come back you know Mm -hmm. uh and it's just such an oddball movie man i mean i think we might be used to it now but that i mean a gimp come on <laughs> <laughs> that's the cherry on the 
I mean, come on, man. I'll tell you what, back then, my Alta Vista search history was filled with gimp-related queries yeah. as I tried to figure out what that even was. Oh, yeah. Alta Vista. <laughs> that was about the 90th thing we've ever said. Um... <laughs> I I I was also I was also I just feel like I feel like there's a there's a, such a great amount of humor in it. Obviously pulp fiction has a lot of like, you know, shit like, you know, why didn't he just bring the watch with him? Mm. Motherfucker, bring the watch with you if it's so goddamn important to you and all that. But ultimately, I can't fault it. So, I'm going to I'm going to go with that. All right. <clears throat> I have been torn on this uh since we last recorded because I I'm overthinking it. Mhm. After Chris's heroic and unbiased choosing of The Matrix over his favorite movie of all time, I feel like if I pick The Matrix, I risk being called a homer. Well, I feel like totally if I, fine, by the way. I yeah. feel like if I pick Pulp Fiction, I risk looking like I'm trying to look as noble as Chris did last time. Oh, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm going with the Matrix ah. because the only way I can make this decision is my gut. And while it happens to be my personal favorite movie of all time, I, I think it's got deeper things to say. I think it stays with you longer. Um, I think that this is a silly thing. We're in the final four and I'm going to base my judgment on the fact that I think it's mostly way more accessible than Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, as an illustration, my, my wife had uh, this friend in college he was a guy they didn't date but he always asked her to watch fight club you'll mm-hmm. love it you'll love it and when she started telling me this i was like that guy didn't know you at all yeah. <laughs> because my wife would fucking hate fight club there's nothing in there she wants to see uh-huh. um that movie's not for everyone and a fight club is fantastic i think it's great but i wouldn't want my mom to watch it right yeah. and and so because it has more to say and it's a little deeper and that Bruce Willis interlude kind of bugs me and Pulp Fiction is so extreme, uh, I'm going to go with The Matrix, even mm. though it's going to lose because Barrett's going to vote Matrix. I mean, Pulp Fiction. Man, I, I actually had quite a debate internally about this yeah. because I think I, saw, I, I watched The Matrix after I watched Pulp Fiction. And it does surprise me. Before I met you, Jeremy, I had never heard anybody say that The Matrix was their favorite movie of all time. That's crazy. Um there was, uh, I think I may have told Chris this, like there was, it, right when it came out, there was a lot of people who were saying like, that's justifiably, that's something that we've never seen before. That may be one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but not recently until, mm. until I started hearing it from you. And it made me to like, to realize, because I really, really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't have ever put it up there. Um, the more I watch it, the more I dig what you're saying about like the themes and, and how deep it goes. I thought about getting a Matrix tattoo. Did you really? Yeah. Like I would, I, I don't think I'm ever going to do this, but about five or six years ago, I was thinking about getting the word "choice" tattooed on my wrist oh. in, in the Matrix font. Oh, nice! Anyway, interesting. It goes deeper than just me, my love of the movie. But go ahead. Well, this this movie does run deep, and I agree with you that it does say a lot more about humanity and about concepts than Pulp Fiction. What what gets me about the Matrix is a little bit of like the. I don't know, cheesy. There's a couple of cheesy dialogues and in, in lines mm. in there mm. where like Morpheus is like, he's beginning to believe, yeah. you know, and welcome to the desert of the real. Like, it's just <laughs> like, man, you're, you're badass enough. You don't have to do all that stuff. Um, and then I, I, I get very, very close to picking it. Uh, and then I watched it when I saw Neo, when they shoot the bullets after him, after he's become the one, he's like, no, 
And he holds up his <laughs> hand. Like, Fuck. That's the most, that's even more than the whoa. That's the Keanu-iest mo- moment, I think, for mm-hmm. me. Um, Pulp Fiction hits every single, every single scene from that, including Tim Ross' performance, Samuel L. Jackson's performance. Uh, that's my choice, and that's mm-hmm. going to win. That's going to go oh, on to the, the championship. Humanity. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> all right. That's all right. I hold no grudges. That gives us a fantastic championship. I have though. no idea where we're going to go Children on this. Children of Men versus Pulp Fiction is yep. our championship. Um, Can't wow. believe we're actually here. Yeah. <laughs> I can't either. Let's do the recap again. Yeah, let's do the recap. <laughs> <laughs> let's stall. That's right. Let's stall. Um, <laughs> somebody asked a, a, a friend of mine uh, who actually listens to the podcast, by the way, asked, uh, texted me the other day, and it was a question that I really couldn't answer, and maybe you can. Okay. Um, but he said that during the scene where they're shooting at the agents from the helicopter and everything, hmm. considering that everything is the Matrix... How come they can't just overtake the helicopter by themselves since it's all in the Matrix anyway? Oh, well, that's um, a decent point, except that I, I'm guessing they've they've set the rules up in the Matrix to prevent a helicopter ever flying itself and thereby making all the plugged in humans who think the world is real go, what the fuck is that? That helicopter's flying itself. Who's flying it? Trinity. Yeah, oh, okay. Trinity's so they can't take over Trinity, but what he's saying is it's all connected. The machines should be able they to take over to... a machine. I got you. Yeah, yeah. But I think they have rules written in the software to keep the world seeming real, so that people don't ask too many questions and question their reality, which mm. would blow the whole thing up. I think that would be the response the filmmakers might give mm. you. Um, it's always bothered me more that Morpheus gets shot in the ankle and still somehow runs and jumps, even though I know Neo jumps out to meet him. Mm-hmm. But, but Morpheus should crumple right yeah. at that point. Yeah. Uh, but now he keeps moving. Yeah, I I always assume that the the they sort of established in the movie that um, they can only really take over other humans when they're trying to get into vehicles and stuff like right. that. It's right at the very beginning that happens where the truck is driving yep. by and you see that you know whatever and he and uh, smith overtakes a body or whatever mm-hmm. and they runs the van towards the phone booth um stuff like that but it was something interesting i didn't really think about it before because the matrix is one of those movies and especially if you watch all three of them it's kind of hard to remember where you are and what the rules are supposed to be like whether you're in the matrix or whether you're there was a a thing because you you were i think you were the primary guy on matrix reloaded i think so or revolutions one of them it was the second one um and uh and you were writing something uh it was neo versus agent smith but they were in zion at the time that they were fighting Mm. and they're they shouldn't really be badasses when they're in zion they should just be you know average schmoes at that point no that's where it gets confusing because neo then stops the 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 sentinels in the real world right yeah yeah yeah. well and again i i contend uh, reloaded has problems way before the end but i think they could have salvaged the franchise if they'd have gone in a more obvious direction after that because what they end up saying is he's the one so there's something in his code that's connected to the machine world or what have you but Mm -hmm. if they had said oh zion's just a different computer program yeah and you've never really been out of it yeah i think that could have added a whole nother layer of interesting um and again who knows what they're going to do with this potential sequel 
reboot, mm-hmm. whatever bullshit they're doing. Well, but. another thing that the the sequel sort of confused me on was that after he finds out that, oh, this is like the fifth or sixth Matrix or whatever that they've ever built. And, you know, the first one was they tried to make everybody happy and everybody rejected it and then so on and so forth. Um, I forgot that in the whole where Morpheus is like explaining to Neo what's going on. Uh, I forgot that there was even a time where there were actual human beings like go, you know, like everything was normal until we built AI Yeah, and then AI took over and that's how we got to this, you know, this place. I forgot that completely. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I was, I was like, Oh, so, so everything that happened like around 1999 and, and before actually happened and everything. Then they built a matrix after that. And I was like, that was something that was completely lost by those those sequels because the sequels made me think, oh, there from the beginning there was always and has been a Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, I had so many good theories because after the second one, basically every time he meets with the Oracle, she gives him something to eat, mm-hmm. and I had a theory that that was what was making him powerful. That it not wasn't her advice or his belief in himself, but whatever trinket medicine it was in the candy or the cookie that she gave him or what have you yeah there were all sorts of cool little touches and threads that they could have gone after and and they didn't (laughs) with the worst possible although i do say that final fight between smith and neo is better than any superman movie fight we've seen it's certainly better than zod and superman yeah all right so we have a final two we do do we need to write these things on our phone and then yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna all do it yeah we're gonna put it on our phone we're gonna we're gonna and then we'll read them off we have all picked we are all locked uh-huh we're all locked in this okay. is a hard choice this is, is a hard, hard choice. choice so i'm picked so hard of a choice that Oh man, now I just <laughs> How do you how do you pick between these two movies? I mean, uh there's not really any category that I can think of out of these two that one that should be the reason why one should beat the other. Um no. I mean, if, both amazing directorial feats. They're they're amazing directorial feats. Pulp Fiction probably wins on script. Mm-hmm. Um and then you have, as far as like, you know, humor, obviously, Pulp Fiction's going to win that. But then, you know, drama, Children of Men's going to win that, even though the, of course, the needle to the heart and everything, <laughs> or those are some real, like, of course, that ends up being humorous too yeah. by the time it's over. Um, by the way, they shot that in reverse. Did you know that? Oh, re- oh, yeah, yeah, that would make sense because yeah. you don't want to hurt an actual person. They literally, <laughs> they had the needle in her chest or the whatever it was, the retractable needle, and he pulls it out. And then they they shot it in reverse, so it looks like he's slamming oh, it down. Oh, that's such a simple trick. Yeah, I would never have thought that. Yeah. Well, and yeah, th- I mean, yeah, because I you always wonder, like you know, like <laughs> I mean, they would have had to have gotten a dummy if they didn't. Yeah, Because yeah. there's no way you're gonna like, Thunk. yeah, be down in a stabbing motion. <laughs> what I got to stab her three times? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you have to stab her fucking three times. <laughs> um, but like. Uh, that was a scene that apparently, like, a lot of people had to, like, leave the theater. During. My wife can't watch it. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. 
It's well, she's weird. a nurse. Right? She's a nurse. Yeah. 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 Well, you see how he how he does it. This is, by the way, this is the reason why Tarantino is not playing Eric Stoltz's character because that's what he wanted to do originally. He wanted to be behind the camera for this. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and like just the way everything is so close up, and you see like the, the needle, the drop yep. coming off, and everything, and then and then like one. And then I love Rosanna Arquette's face. <laughs> oh my God, it's so priceless. Yeah, she can't get enough. It's like, yes, so priceless. This is <laughs> oh my God, she's got that look like, I don't even really care if she dies. <laughs> and she doesn't. Yeah. Um, I've never seen this. This yeah. is awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's such an intense scene. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I guess we're all going to hold up our phones now and then. We'll uh, we'll count it It'll up. Be like a Coldplay concert. Everybody holds up their phones. All right. I don't All know right. if anybody can read this. We have Jeremy, Children of Men. We have Barrett, Pulp Fiction, and we have Chris, Children of Men. Wow. 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 Also, Barrett, your phone was off. We couldn't see anything. Oh, sorry. I knew what it was. All right. So, <laughs> way to ruin the hold up the phones gag. As I kind of expected, going into this final four, this children is of what men. I did: is I played Children of Men in my mind against all three of the other final four, and I didn't see any other movie coming out on top. Mm-hmm. If The Matrix had beaten Pulp Fiction, I still would voted Children of Men. Wow, mm-hmm. um, it's just that good. It's amazing that this movie is underseen and we've just selected it as the champion of all these. I'm glad of that. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. too, because if, if we're going to expose more people to it, so mm-hmm. be it. Because I think that the, the majority of people who watch it because of us will love it. Yeah. Clive Owen is so fucking great in that movie. Well, and we just did today uh, the King Arthur Sins video mm-hmm. yeah. starring Clive Owen. <laughs> Two <laughs> years prior to this, he was in that bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he finds himself in a masterpiece like this. And that's just a stroke of luck. You could see, though, even that movie was such a fucking mess, that King Arthur movie. He's definitely the best part of it, though. Well, yeah, he's clearly got movie star charisma. He's got the gravitas and all that stuff that you see. Which is hilarious that he's like a court, or, uh, like a government schlub in this in this movie, but he mm-hmm. becomes such a hero. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Even though I voted for Pulp Fiction, Children of Men is absolutely awesome. Can't go wrong with either of these movies. No. So we have finally cha- crowned a champion. Yay! One shining moment. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. So. That's a great Luther Vandross. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I didn't even know that's who sang that song. Now that we've picked Children of Men, which is a is a pick that I'm very, I can get behind. I'm so proud of that pick. Like, yeah. like the nothing sort of like, kind of like weaseled its way into the like when harry met sally didn't win is what you're trying to say <laughs> i'm trying to say when harry met sally not winning is my biggest you know um but uh, now that we've picked this uh are there any movies that we think got shortchanged i know we do mm-hmm. um out of this group that that never made the bracket or within the bracket uh within the bracket although i guess we could say if you if you thought of something that didn't make the bracket then we could we could talk about that too. i'll throw one out did you guys think, and maybe we've talked about this before, did you guys think Inception belonged in here? I did. Maybe somewhere. I mm-hmm. did. Although the way we are we are doing it here, uh, we have to pick something, uh, like we've, al- we've already, for the most part, unanimously picked most of the time a movie of the best of that year. Mm-hmm. And then you have to kind of figure out what's that second choice out of all these other and stuff. And you got to get the ver- four decades worth, you know? This is a situation... You know how the NCAA tournament, the like a lot of times what will happen is in a conference uh, championship, some no-name team will go through and just win. Yeah. And in this case, it's kind of like Animal House. Like Animal House yeah. 
takes a spot that Inception normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, so yeah, like at the SEC tournament, you instead of Kentucky, which who's automatically going to go anyway, you know, somebody like you know Mississippi comes in there, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know, then it sort of screws some other team that was hoping to just be selected mm-hmm. to be in there. So yes, I do, but I don't know. I don't know what you would have gotten rid of exactly. to put Inception. That's yeah, the yeah. dilemma, right? Like, because I could see, like, I don't think Hunt for Red October made the bracket, did it? No. Mm-mm. I could have seen that in the bracket pretty mm. easily. Um, and, you know, within the bracket, I think Goodfellas, Shawshank, uh, Dark Knight, in my opinion, all could have or should have gone further. Mm. Um, <clears throat> LA Confidential, in hindsight, you know, I probably would make the same pick, but still deserve to go a lot further than it got to most definitely i uh i don't i mean yeah maybe we don't i don't know if there's a way to really put it up against something that like you know i mean i didn't think sideways was actually going to have a chance in that Mm. that matchup that was that's one to me like out of the (laughs) out of out of the whole group i was like well, yeah, that's a pretty soft matchup for LA Confidential. <laughs> um, even though Sideways is great, I don't have any problem with it. Um, I I felt really bad about Goodfellas going in the first mm-hmm. round, really bad. Still feel that way, and I don't. I think it. I don't think it probably should have gone up against something like Shawshank, even though the way this has to go, since Shawshank didn't win nineteen ninety four, it got it got a lower seed that it probably should right. have deserved a higher seed. Right. I think if we sort of did this with a let's chart it out and like let's make you know well Shawshank is a 12 seed but it really is like a 5 seed or mm-hmm. 4 seed we probably should have done something like that if we were really like trying to make everything fair I guess quote mm-hmm. unquote even though it's still I mean ultimately yeah the way it was set up was was like just what you said the if you win your year or your conference then you get the but that's more accurate yeah 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 and i've seen a lot of people who who weren't around in the beginning of the bracket who have since been listening to further episodes of the show say things like godfather and there's usually a fan that comes along and explains well they only started with 1975 Mm -hmm. so godfather wasn't wasn't an option and yeah if we extended it back another 15 years prior like to oh, 1960 yeah. on and there's a bunch of films that probably should have been in there oh yeah um godfather 2 if godfather uh was allowed in here i guess maybe even godfather 2 would they have won man pretty handily i i don't right now i don't know how many any of these movies that may have beaten the godfather yeah yeah i'd have a i'd have a rough time but i also kind of thought that way for jaws too yeah that's true it's not until you actually run into yeah. a, a matchup you really know one way or the other because yeah i mean there's a lot gets taken out of you when you have to when you have to like say goodbye to something like jaws like jaws is legendary but you have to look past the legendary status of those movies you have to look past it and it's and it's hard because yeah there's there's 40 years of legendary there Mm -hmm. you know it's like trying to say anything bad about the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the yeah. books in general, or, you know, something like that. You know, it's like yeah. it's about sixty years worth of like built up, you know, fan excitement about those books and everything. Say like one bad thing about it, and you know, the the legend pat is surpasses anything yeah. that you can say about it. Now um, that's what was cool about this is that it forces you to look at what you really do, like really get into these movies and figure out what, what works and what doesn't. We 
analyzed that section, the butch section of Pulp Fiction, like seven different ways. Yeah. And I still don't know if I if I really like it or not. I think I do now mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, well, so- and I like it way better than what he wrote it as, mm-hmm. which is he was had some inner monologue while he was walking yeah, through yeah, that yeah. whole thing where he's like this is my world war three baby and all that other type of stuff <laughs> like yeah we kind of know that we've heard the story from christopher walken yeah. earlier we we know this is your world war three um but uh but yeah i mean you know it's it's a ultimately it's silly right mm-hmm. all of this is silly yes. it's all for fun <laughs> yes it, there, is. There was, you it would, was fun it was fun and i think i think ultimately though we picked a great winner out of this yep something that if you if you looked at the brackets at the beginning, you say that one right there has a really good chance of going all the way, and it did. Yep. Yeah, I would say if I if I had picked f- five movies when we started the bracket that I thought could be the winner, this would have been one of them. Mm-hmm. This one probably City of God, Shawshank, uh, Jaws. Those were the ones I was sort of thinking would mm-hmm. make it all the way through. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, that particular bracket that east region that we might have want to redo on that at some point because that was a heavy region there will be blood city of god (laughs) children of men no 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 country country. for all men we're all in the same bracket yeah and uh you had the right thing and they inevitably ran up against each other too and it was really hard to pick one or the other Mm -hmm. um and there's some you know i guess there's some weird ones in here that are just i don't know like I don't know if I would consider them something that goes really far, but they're, I mean, maybe in a few years, yes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Ex Machina, mm-hmm. Gone Baby Gone. Whiplash. Yep. Whiplash. These are movies that uh, I think, yeah, if we if we are here 10 years from now doing this. Yeah. Uh, I want to discuss La La Land in 10 years. Yeah. To see if uh, my prediction will come true. That it sours? No, that I, I think it'll be a, a modern classic. Yeah, I feel like it. I know two people pretty close to me that that were just eh about it, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it got so much hype. Yeah, I, I think it, once that it calm, calms down, yeah. I think it's really going to have its own legs. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So now we're going to preview the uh, the bracket ten years from now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so what do you think? I think Infinity War Part Two has a chance. Definitely. What do you think? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Ragnarok. Yeah. Ragnarok. I will say that Thor Ragnarok trailer uh-huh. gave me one of the biggest laughs of any Avengers Marvel anything ever when he sees that Hulk is his gladiator <laughs> opponent and Thor's just jubilant yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, i was dying i know him from work <laughs> that was funny did you see guardians too no have you mm-hmm. what'd you think uh I, I thought it was fun it the, the, the action was the worst thing i think people have been clamoring for a mini pod you guys want to give it five ten minutes of your thoughts um uh you know i was on the sift pop mm-hmm. uh podcast with aaron uh and and it was funny i started off saying i was between okay and and liked it i think i'm more about liked it now yeah, than yeah. i am oh it's between those two or whatever um a lot of stuff that i hated about the action is mainly in that finale oh yeah it's really not i mean a lot of there's a lot of great action in it that i sort of i think i discounted a little bit once that finale came in because yes there's punching involved yes of course <laughs> um and and i and it just gets to that it gets to that point where you just oh this is a movie that I actually would have wanted Thanos to be involved in. Yeah. You know, because it's like y- you could tell the limits that the the main antagonist has. Yeah. And you know how it's going to go. Well, that's the thing to me, too, is like, 
you you kind of know where this movie is trying to go and it takes until the third act before they finally say oh okay well this is this is where we want to go with this and you're like yeah i kind of figured that way back in the first act yeah you you took this whole second act is like about them on this planet and they're just and it's like it's almost like you know a tv show where they're they're they've got characters that haven't ever ever interacted with each other before and they're trying to find a story to put them together in and everything and uh and you know it's like yeah that's that comes off really interesting there's some some i mean the movie is funny ultimately Mm -hmm. is what it comes down to really funny i and some of the action in there that i didn't like there's some really good action scenes most of them time they're very humorous you know like the the scene with rocket and the people the all the all the michael rooker oh uh, the scrappers scavengers it's ravagers ravagers uh all of them sneaking up on the camp and everything Uh and like he has all these things set up to like you know like knock them back or whatever (laughs) but there's like a scene where like a whole bunch of like guys are, are are flying above the trees, <laughs> and then he hits another thing, and another group of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that sounds good. awesome. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and Michael Rooker has a has a great scene with his little arrow and oh, whistling through. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. So there were so by the time I got to the spoiler part of the Sith Pop podcast and everything, I was sitting there going, "Oh yeah, there was that scene, and there was that scene, <laughs> and, and, and there was this one, and everything." ultimately it's a good time but man that that finale and the how long it takes to get to that finale dr- almost drags it down it does to a point where you're like i almost hate this movie but mm-hmm. um i had a it's kind of funny like um uh, a movie like funny people obviously is not a f- great movie by any means but <laughs> i remember funny people laughing at a whole bunch of stuff but it's a two and a half hour movie is that all? It seems like it's four hours. It, it, yeah. it may be less. It may be actually be less, but it's it's over two hours. It's uh, one of those Apatow productions that he's just, I don't know where to cut this. Um, I remember laughing a bunch, but there's so many other parts of it that are just like, you're just, oh, you got Eminem, huh? That's, you, oh, you're going to make him have a scene for five minutes, yeah. huh? You know, it's, it, a lot of this, a lot of that stuff. So it came out of funny people going, I laughed a bunch, but I hated that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hate it more how upon each the, other viewing. How in the world does that happen? Yeah. And Garden of the, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is way better, but mm. it's it's also very long. I mean, it's two hours and 15 minutes. It's got three credit scenes in it. We, we have, No, it's got five. It's got five? Yes. Okay, so we, we skipped out. We left out. before this, we skipped the last out after, two. After three of them, we yeah. skipped out? Yeah. Yeah and uh and and i was like yeah i can just watch this some other time because i as again as i've said before how many times have you sat through the entire credits of a marvel movie and you've seen the credit scene and you're like oh yeah yeah exactly like you have to really be a comic book person the only one that worked that way for me was the avengers with the shawarma stuff because that was just so hysterical. but even then yeah. even then as funny as that is you have to wait through 12 minutes of credits. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, there are five credit scenes in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 2. Yeah. That is like overkill on crack. Well, there's two things about it because, first of all, when the movie Is Howard ended, the Duck in one of them? Uh, no, he's in the movie. He's actually in the movie. Fuck. Yeah. Briefly. Uh, what was funny is that when the movie ended, nobody moved. Nobody like shifted in their chair at all. Like Typically, when a movie's over, even though I know there's there's post-credit scenes, like I'm, I'm out of there. Uh, but nobody moved, and we watched. They came pretty quickly, the first two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing was we went with Chris on uh, Thursday night to see it, and as we were walking out, uh, 
you had this line of people and then a line of hushers. And Chris looks over and is like, yep, motherfucker. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Screwing these ushers, man. Because they have to sit there and see. And the main thing is now the I don't think it would. I don't think these would be such a big problem if uh, movie theaters weren't sort of for whatever reason they feel like they need to strap their employee uh, number of employees really far down to the bone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means less and less people to actually take care of. Remember when we were at Hollywood 27, yeah. I, I would be an usher manager and I would have 16 people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they have like just three. for ushers. Yeah. And then as I, as, as I left movie theaters and be, had to be an usher manager again, yeah, I would have three ushers and that's a 27 screen place. Yeah. And yeah, we're not, that's we're not crazy. terribly busy. But though it's not like you have lots of time. So if you have if you have a bunch of movies, you have a big movie and they're all like everywhere and yeah. in the theater. It's a lot of walking. You have to go. You have, you have to give those guys breaks. Uh-huh. You have to, you know, once you give somebody a break, now you're down to two ushers. Um, then like somebody comes out of the bathroom and says it's a complete mess in there and okay. you have to dedicate resources to that, mm-hmm. you know. I think I would be fine with these credit sequences if we were in the day and age where all theaters could have that carte blanche type of thing. But or if they or if the theaters would just put more pad time between the shows, yep. which they can't do because they need to make they need to maximize every yeah. single well, screen with as many shows as possible. A lot of times, especially with Disney, they're going to give you mandatory show time yeah. where you have to you know you have to show it at this certain time. The studios do that. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Those are oh, yeah. those are the, that's the, a, those a are the provision of accepting it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the so called oh. mandatory show times. Although for most movies, you don't have them. It's just usually very big, and the the mandatory show times suck uh, a a ton because there's some theaters that would benefit by scheduling later than the mandatory show time because there's theaters that are ten miles, twenty miles. They're just far enough away to be able to keep the same movie as that theater that's ten, fifteen yeah. miles away, mm-hmm. and um, but that theater, that first theater, is going to get more people, and and if if they sell out then that overflow can go to the other theater that if they could schedule it late and i remember i'll never forget going to going to a training class and somebody from like minnesota was like yeah we there's a theater that's down the street from us so we would benefit a whole bunch by being able to just put 30 minutes extra on our show times and all their overflow would come over to us and the Mm. guy the corporate guy was just like well, we've done the studies and we're okay with the loss that your theater uh, your theater goes through huh. in order to to get all the gain we get from the other theaters. Wow. So screw you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> screw you. Um, but uh but yeah, that's the that's the thing. If we were if we were in a living in the day and age like back in 1999 where I had 16 ushers under me, wouldn't have a problem with all that because mm. you could you could put people in and other people can go clean the smaller auditoriums that don't have very many people in them especially if one of them was kenneth you yeah, kenneth? yeah i do he I was do. not liked by everybody because mm-hmm. he was kind of a hard ass but he worked harder than maybe any other usher we ever had at that yeah nice. he was a, well of course he was a grown man too mm-hmm. he had some work ethic most of the ushers are 15 year olds <laughs> with snotty noses yeah but. yeah <clears throat> but yeah uh now nowadays it's 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 just uh, it's ridiculous. It's actually something that 
hurts movie theaters i think yeah because now they have to sit there and wait outside while that all this bullshit happens that's not even worth your time yeah and uh and uh, then they have to go in and clean what is going to be an awful mess yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's going to take up all their time while other theaters are getting out. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I mean, a lot of these theaters may not have that many people in them, but you'll be surprised. Sometimes, like a theater with eight people in it, five hundred popcorn bags are in there. Popcorn are <laughs> everywhere. And I mean, order three it's such bags a yeah. it's, there's such a line here because people don't do that at fast food restaurants, not where no. they have the trash cans to dump and put your own tray on top. Imagine walking into Chick-fil-A, it's empty, there's no customers, but you can't find a seat because no one took the trash away. Yeah. yeah. And Chick-fil-A has to find an employee to go out there and clean all the tables. But but when they get into a movie, and I guarantee you it's because it's dark, mm-hmm. people just turn into fucking pigs. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, I don't, I'll never understand that too. And I think I even heard Jerry Seinfeld in a stand-up say something like, it's like, no, I paid $12 to get in this movie, you pick it up. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> No, All right, let's go. Question, questions. Yeah, baby. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. What are your favorite instances of actors acting well as bad actors? Mm-hmm. Love this question. Yeah, yeah it's a fun one. Uh, the immediate thought uh, was uh, for this listener was Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Great. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Simple Jack and uh, Dick Sean in The Producers. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are both good. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, well, okay. I'm going to go with friend of the show, Derek Jacoby. Uh, <laughs> yes. From an episode of Frasier. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a very it's a it's a Frasier staple for Niles and Frasier to get a big grand idea and then quickly get in over their heads. Uh-huh. Uh, they opened a restaurant once. Uh, they've, they've screwed up a bunch of stuff like this. But uh, in this one, he's trying to get some comic books for his son. So he's at a sci fi convention and he sees Jackson Headley, his favorite actor, <laughs> who after when, when Niles and Frasier were teens, they saw this guy do a series of Shakespeare monologues and it turned them on to Shakespeare. And then after that, he got cast in a Star Trek spoof. In real life, it's a spoof. But on the show, it was like a Star Trek type show. And mm-hmm. so now he's, he's been typecast and all he can play is the weird speaking alien on sci-fi shows. And he goes to these conventions and they see him there and they're just heartbroken that this great stage Shakespearean actor has been reduced to this. <laughs> uh, and so they basically, what if we what if we run at a theater and had him put his show on again and he could re- revive his stage career? And so they talk to him, and he's down, and they rent the theater, they find the money, and they, when they walk in there with him to show him the stage he'll be performing on, they decide to have him do a little bit. So he does this little bit where Hamlet's, I think it's actually right before he dies, but he's uh, mourning Horatio. Uh-huh. But anyway, the gist of this, the scene is that he, he's a terrible actor. And he comes out, and he's like, oh, Horatio! <gasps> Like he gasps <laughs> air <laughs> in between every single line. Oh! <laughs> and they look at each other with these horrified looks. They finally find a tape of the performance they saw as teens, and he's just as bad then. They were just teenagers and didn't know any better. Well, the rest of the episode is them trying to get the show canceled without telling him he's a bad actor. They try and get the fire marshal to shut it down for too many people. They try to set off the sprinklers. He breaks his leg, and they're like, yes, we're going to get out of it. And he comes out limping to do his monologue. And in the end, they just have to resign themselves that they've backed a terrible actor's performance. And of course... Uh, Derek Jacoby is famous for stage work mm-hmm. in his career, so he's almost parodying himself here. 
which is big of him. Uh, it's a really funny episode, but I also just love that. That's <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> like a way to emote. It's so freaking funny. Anyway, that's my answer. Derek Jacobi. Oh, yeah. I got one that, that I'm trying to figure out. It's definitely a great actor imagining a terrible performance, but I don't know if it's acting badly. Martin Landau and Ed Wood mm-hmm. oh, as Bella Lugosi. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. In the context of the movie Ed Wood, he's terrific. Yep. But in the context of Plan 9 from Outer Space, he's terrible. Yep. So I think that's probably my favorite example of this. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Uh, because, you know, he's obviously so great and he's such a broken down performer and everything. And he's trying to do it. Uh, but uh, it's 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 just compelling to watch. And it had to be like several layers that, that Martin Landau had to navigate with yeah. all that stuff. It did awesome. That's yeah. a good one right there. He was at least Oscar nominated if he didn't win. He won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the one Samuel Jackson said, shit. <laughs> <laughs> after Martin, that clip. After Martin Which was won. announced by Anna Paquin, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So. Who at the time was seven and a half? Yeah, she yeah. was uh, the she piano. Was very young. Yeah, was, I think she was like a 12 at that point. Was she? Yeah, she she was eleven when she won. I think. Oh, okay. I thought she was six. But she I don't know why. well, when she wins, she seems like seven because she's. I mean, I can't imagine you know that age yeah. winning an Oscar and having to talk. And what's so funny about the thing though is when she wins, she goes up there and she's like, <sighs> and she's got this look on her face. You're like, oh my god, she's gonna have a hard time coming out with this speech, and then all of a sudden she's like. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> oh, I just went, just like, like just turned it on. Um, I was on the acting. That's right. Uh, I'm going to go with Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. Oh, wow. that's an awesome pick. Um, I love this because it is, it's difficult to act bad in a like realistic way. Mm-hmm. And and just that the way that scene is is so funny to me. Yeah. He goes, Wahlberg comes in. He's like, he's like, I was away and there was there was no women at all where I was. <laughs> and, and like and like and Julianne Moore's like, that's terrible. And, 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 you know, like, is that their first scene together? Yeah, like yeah. the first porn scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love hey. the pan across everybody's faces when he takes his yeah. dick out. You don't see it, but you see like the lighting guy and the mic guy and the camera guy all like. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god! <laughs> and she's, I mean, and that, that just ridiculous line because they're just basically they're just going through the motions to get to the sex scene and everything. It's like I think you have the job, but let me be sure of something. This is a giant cock. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. I remember when the movie came out, they they asked her about uh, how do you how do you act that way. How do you how do you perfectly act like somebody who's like in a porno or whatever? And she says, when you watch these things, the thing that comes, you know, that comes out of their performance is that they are they have no affect to yeah, what yeah. they're saying and everything. Yeah. So so you have to sort of pretend uh, <laughs> just take to, that away. Yeah, just take that away. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, do you guys get sponsored to do specific videos about movies that have actors in them that are in upcoming movies, or do you just choose to do videos on these specific movies because the actors are relevant? I fucking wish. Does the ad team reach out to you at all? I think it's an interesting thing to to let people know about. Okay, I will say this. There was one production company for one film that flirted with some kind of an arrangement where mm. we would make a video about one of their other films timed for this new film's release. It never panned out. Mm. But even that might have just kind of been 
a little exaggerated to us as to how close that actually came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, no one, no one's paying us to make these videos. <laughs> yeah. YouTube gives us some money after they run some ads on them. <laughs> um, we just pick. Chris does the schedule. He does it very well. But we pick movies to sin as often as possible that are tied to something that's coming out soon. So there's mm-hmm. a new King Arthur movie this weekend, right? Or mm-hmm. next weekend. Yeah, it's this weekend. <clears throat> and we just did King Arthur today, the previous King Arthur. And we actually wrestled on the podcast with whether to do Sword in the Stone yeah. or uh, Excalibur or one of these. We chose King Arthur. Um, but there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And another question I get a lot is if we conspire with how it should have ended in Screen Junkies, because mm-hmm. we'll often put out videos on the same movie the same week. And it's no, we're just all using the same logic. People yeah. are thinking and talking and Googling more about King Arthur right now. Let's do King Arthur. It's just mm-hmm. basic math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that, but no, I would love it if they'd pay us to do it in addition to <laughs> us that's, just doing I it. I think that's the, the sort of the hidden thing out of running a YouTube channel that people don't really understand a lot of times is why is it called everything wrong with well it's because that is the kind of title that catches people's eye right more than anything Mm -hmm. it may not be literally everything wrong with like a lot of people think it's supposed to be or whatever but it's more about catching your eye you have to do you have to do some business, some business type things <laughs> when you're running a YouTube channel. And and yeah, the when we were writing for Real SEO, one of the things that came up was that YouTube creator handbook. Yeah. And one of the chapters was talking about tent polling, which is mm. one of the I mean, I, I wrote about every one of these chapters that's in the handbook. Yeah. And I tell you right now we probably followed every single we one of them did. in some way we didn't like have it open or something right but it, I, <laughs> let me consult the right but you know they you know they tell you a little fun things like you got to catch the viewer's eye in the first five seconds or they're gone mm-hmm. and uh th- see how here's how philip defranco does it and blah 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 and then but yeah tent polling was one of the big ones it was like like seven or eight seventh or eight chapter in there or whatever was about tent polling basically you're talking about you're coming out with something that everybody's talking about and that, you know, and in this case, a movie release schedule is as close to tent polling as you can get. Did you see that Philip DeFranco's starting a new news channel that he intends to be unbiased? Hmm. Because uh, when I saw that video, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because humans are inherently biased. He yeah. has this whole video. I like Philip DeFranco a lot. Um, he has this whole video announcing it basically saying here we are in this age where all of our news is so skewed Mm -hmm. like fox news skews to the right that this news skews to the left why can't we have a source that examines both sides of an issue before coming to any conclusions or whatnot and i'm just like wow dude you are you like nice guy that's an impossible goal and you you are just as biased as any other news reader just because you say you're going to examine it from both sides. Like, okay, John Oliver. Mm-hmm. I love John Oliver. Mm-hmm. John Oliver presents a show that suggests he examines the facts from both sides. But John Oliver's liberal as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not he's not trying to appeal to conservatives and what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he would rip on, a, you know, Obama, and now he rips on Trump. He's an equal opportunity jokester. But, yeah. I mean, his politics are pretty clear. Yeah. Nobody is unbiased. Yeah. Everyone looks through their own lens to see their worldview. And the idea of creating some kind of unbiased news source is just, it's laughable to me. Yeah. 
anyway, don't know. Maybe I, AI can do it. I, I agree with you in, in some instance of that because it, it is very hard for people to just be able to like throw out their beliefs and everything. And even if they're not liberal or conservative or whatever, they have some other kind of, you know, worldview that's going to skew whatever they say or whatever. I, I do like the idea, though, of at least trying because there are a lot of most of where we get our news doesn't try mm -hmm. well and, and this is what problem. i've always told my that's what i've always told my wife when we talk about political issues is you've got to you've got to do your work before yeah. you draw an opinion you've got to go out and find news from five different sources about the same story to kind of get all the angles and then figure out where you fall in that you can't just get all your news from one source if you want to be unbiased mm -hmm. And so that's why it's silly to me that one source wants to feed me unbiased. I may add Philip DeFranco's news channel as one of the seven sources I check on something before mm -hmm. I draw conclusions. But I don't I don't I agree with you. I think there's something nice about trying and there's no certainly no harm in it. I just don't think it's an achievable goal. But, well, and the other thing is, I, th and maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but, you know, the the <laughs> being completely unbiased and everything seems to be a bit of a liberal goal. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely that's kind of yeah agreeing with and, you and it so kind of goes hand in hand with the philosophy it, right kind of it kind yeah. of like it's kind of it's kind of difficult to to do that i mean i think if you look at both sides and everything how are you going to end up weighing those different facts on whatever you're you're either going to agree with one side or the mm -hmm. other you know i, I think well uh, look at the bible the words that are in the bible are there yes Right. Yeah. And yet we have dozens of denominations, various mm -hmm. religions within the denominations. We have splits and it's all because interpretation. Yep. If, if two people can read the same sentence and come away thinking it means different things, then there is no unbiased anything. Oh, There's yeah. no unfiltered source of pure truth in the universe. Fucking Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just, now I wait for the ignorant people to come to call you racist who don't know which Martin Luther you're talking about. Oh my God. Yeah, no. The, yeah, of course, the, the, we have an educated audience. The I story, think. the story there is that you know that those the Catholic Church said that they were the only people who were able to read the Bible and interpret right. it, and he believed that the common people should be able to. And of course, by the time the common people started reading it, there was all these different interpretations, yeah. and that's yeah. why you know Lutherans and all that yeah. started because you know becoming a thing, uh, and a bunch of other religions. But yeah, fucking well, even, Martin Luther. <laughs> even from John Wesley, one of the great theological thinkers, you've got multiple denominations sprung from because you've got the Methodists mm -hmm. go back to him, the Nazarenes do, the Wesley do and and so that's sort of my example like two people can witness the same car accident and tell the cop different stories about what happened yeah do we have another question or is there we we an answer yeah man all right what are some good examples of films you liked or seriously disliked that relied heavily on unique visual styling through uh filter effects or world design mm. uh the examples given were scanner darkly the matrix or Oz the Great and Powerful, yeah. which I, yeah, I get yeah. this. Aren't those two of those Keanu movies? Isn't he in a Scanner Darkly? Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I thought. Um, I actually would put The Waking Life or Scanner Darkly as one of my answers here. As the one that you liked or disliked? I didn't. It was too distracting. The rotoscope thing? I, yeah, I can appreciate what he's trying to do from an artistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But as a movie lover, I couldn't connect to the characters as well. I couldn't connect to the story as well. It didn't. It was just a little too much. It was a little too distracting for me. There's deep themes in the way that it's weird because Richard Linkletter can do such 
humanistic stories like boyhood and and before sunrise sunset and all that stuff but this is where it got like it, it just got deep it did and it i think it depends on the state that you watch that whether you really want to pay attention to a movie or whether you just kind of want to watch something man if i had know. some drugs and then watched it, it might be a different story oh yeah now that but that is a very <laughs> now for one that relied heavily i'm kind of cheating here but for the one that i ended up liking uh, it's really only one scene in the movie it's prince of egypt mm. when they do that Th- that moment where the hieroglyphics on the wall come to life yeah. and tell this backstory. Yeah. Uh, and I remember being really wowed by that when I saw it because I'd never seen anything like that mm-hmm. uh, from a visual animation standpoint. And I, I felt like it added a lot to the film. And I think it brought the film up in esteem in my mind because of that one section. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there you go. It's a good pick. I, uh, I'm i going to say as far as I liked uh, is Pleasantville. Nice. Oh, good call. Um, Pleasantville has a... It's a it's color, then it goes to black and white when they go to the like the fifties or whatever, and uh, and then as people start experiencing emotions and everything, it's, it goes to color. It's a really uh, sort of an underseen movie that came out in nineteen ninety eight. Lots of people in it too. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. just ton of people. And William H Macy, Joan Allen, Toby McGuire, Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. J T Walsh, right? Y- yeah, J T Walsh. <laughs> There's probably a ton of people who became something later that I'm yeah. not even remembering right yeah. now. But uh, I remember when it came out, I think people were a little lukewarm about that movie. Yeah. But I think over the t- over time, I've heard a lot of people it's, say they love it. It's really good. Great soundtrack, too. Where's yeah. my dinner? Where's my dinner? <laughs> um, the one that uh, this is like an all timer one I hate uh, as far as visuals are concerned is Sin City. Oh, yeah. yeah good call. Uh man, I'll I'll never forget that when that I remember being so excited for that movie. The trailer was great. Mm-hmm. Trailer for Sin City was amazing. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this movie. It's gonna be so great. And uh, part of it was that, but I saw it later on, and I was like, yeah, that wasn't very good. Um, but it's it is so about its visuals that I I don't really think there's anything to really sink your teeth into. It's trying to be kind of a pulp fiction for comics, mm-hmm. comic book adaptations or whatever. And that's probably the Frank Miller uh, influence on it and everything. But because he even gets a directorial credit in this movie. So does Tarantino. Um, but uh, there's just nothing in that movie that makes me go. And But I'll just never, I'll never forget me and a friend at uh, the theater when that came out. Like, you know, it's like, you know, the first time I watched it, I, I hated it. And now that I think about it more, I hate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so boring, you know, yeah, yeah, it's so it boring. And then there's, and yeah, there's some, some unique, weird, crazy touches in it and everything. But ultimately it's just a boring ass movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That was a good pick. I'm going to follow up on your 1998 Pleasantville mm. and do two other 1998 movies. Oh. So the one that I like and the one that I don't know, I've seen people try to do it uh, since, but I don't think they've achieved it, is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, the way that Hunter S. Thompson wrote this book is so weird and is so filtered through his drug view yeah. that I would think it's impossible to film. And you need everything to go right. You need a Benicio Del Toro and you need a Johnny Depp at the height of their weirdness yeah. uh, to go all in. Mm-hmm. And of course, Johnny Depp ended up staying with Hunter Thompson like in his basement like yeah. next to like a, a barrel of TNT or yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, so they really got into the role. But then Terry Gilliam from Monty Python fame um, came in and shot this thing with these great visuals. Mm-hmm. Like he was able to, to bend 
reality into uh, what these hallucinations were like and then keep that into to to like an actual reality. It's very, very cool. He I had a friend a, who really loved that job. movie and he would tell me all the time and I used to say, let me ask you a question. You ever watch this movie without smoking weed first? He's like, <laughs> probably not. I'm like, all right, that's what I thought. Oh, see, oh, yeah. now, I don't know if I've ever watched it like not sober i watched it sober and it was hard to get through oh yeah well it, it's a unique movie I've, but I, I've watched I love it, it a couple of times and i've never been under the influence yeah, yeah. and i've liked it so yeah it's it's Terry gilliam fun. is just uh he's a crazy ass dude he, he is. is he is <laughs> and then another movie from 1998 that relied only on style and is a big old bag of shit is what dreams may come oh yeah <laughs> such a good one i forgot all about that movie. such a good choice i remember seeing the trailer for this going wow that looks I amazing know! i know oh i couldn't wait man i was like oh you know this is the afterlife he can do whatever he's creating a tree it's all like paint and everything he goes to hell yeah, yeah. and i was like this is fucking robin williams and cuba gooding jr and like it really should have been something masterful it is a giant turd it's <laughs> awful it's a yeah. giant flaming uh, turd from hell it is a beautiful it, i mean it's not like it's ugly or anything like that it's just that that's the only thing that it's got going for right. it is relying on that kind of like style. prometheus yeah exactly mm. gorgeous but or, not much underneath and you and i kind of had the same um idea about this is the cell 2000s yeah, yeah. tarzam Singh, awesome visuals Looks really cool. really cool that trailer was fucking yes. amazing too i remember being very excited about the cell the worst thing about the cell is fucking vince vaughn i know yeah. it. i know <laughs> it. Yeah. and now you're talking about a movie that has j-lo in it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my god vince vaughn like trying to be this serious fbi agent or whatever it is man oh it's it's awful yeah, yeah. vince vaughn had a had a had a rough go after swingers trying to look serious <laughs> he did that domestic disturbance movie with yes. Travolta. Oh yeah. my God! <laughs> and he did something with the, one of the Phoenix remake. kids. Yeah, the Psycho remake. Oh well, he did a couple of things. He did Clay, Clay Pigeons. Pigeons yeah. and Clay he Pigeons. did uh, Return to Paradise. Yeah, that's that. There's that weird triangle where you have. This was all in 1998 too. But he also <laughs> the year before though he did sneak into the Lost World. Yep, yep, yep. Park. In 1998 you had uh, you had Return to Paradise, which had Anne Hache, uh Vince Vaughn, and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, Psycho had. Vince Vaughn and Anne Hayes. Yeah. And Clay Pigeons had Joaquin Phoenix and Vince, and Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah. That's weird. Give us a cue, B. All right. <laughs> what movie were you the most utterly disappointed by? Oh, wow. I'm sorry I got the trump card. Starship Troopers, man. And come at me, folks, I, with Starship what Troopers. What makes you think? I, all I said was, bummer, Barrett, I like that movie, but you're ready to fight? I'm not talking about you necessarily, but I have seen so many people online that absolutely love this movie. I and I've talked to a lot of people I don't that go love that this far. movie. Um, that say it's a genius satire and that uh, the way that Paul Verhoeven does it is is perfectly suited to the source material and everything. I understand the source material. I've actually read it a long time ago. I, it's still a shitty movie. Have uh, you ever thought about Starship Troopers in this way? That the aliens that we're fighting aren't bad, aren't bad a bad race? That the... That the all the recruitment videos and everything are really just like more of a sort of a, a pointed look at how countries around the earth like recruit their military. Oh, yeah, yeah. Military. I mean, I don't think you yeah. can deny he's trying to go for some kind of satire. If only for oh, those. Yeah. Do you want to know more? Um, but I mean, he I think he had to lie to all of his cast. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I think the only way you get the satire 
tone right is with actual bad actors. Yeah. Like um, well, Casper Van Dien, there, yeah. and Jake Busey, and nobody <laughs> and gives Richards. a very good performance in this no. movie. There's a, Neil Patrick Harris. There is a thought, though, that through some clues and now maybe this doesn't make the movie great or anything. It's, I don't think, I don't think it's great, but, um, but to that, we're the ones responsible for this battle even taking place in the first place. Right. And that, that and that, you know, they're only just coming to defend themselves. You know, we're going to attack them or whatever. It's kind of got a, it's a little bit of Ender's game in it a, yeah. a little bit. Um, uh, but, I think if you look at the movie kind of like that more than just what I, I mean, yeah, there's some shitty actors in this. No, movie. that that's the only the, after the first viewing when I was expecting something completely different. That's the only way I've looked at it is because of the whole obvious propaganda stuff, mm-hmm. and then Doogie coming out in like the fascist wardrobe at the, the yeah. very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's scared, you know. Fuck right? You. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, that's that's how I've interpreted it, is that the humans are you know the they're the, the monsters Nazis. man exactly yeah. exactly and and that whole like march to war type of thing this propaganda and the rah-rah spirit is absolutely the the humans being the the evil the or the the, the oppressors at least mm-hmm. and i think it's still a shitty movie. yeah yeah <laughs> but, but that know. was the, when i saw the trailer and we were going to see that that movie that night and I, I was in like i was a senior in high school i guess something like that 97 yeah, so, it was 97 um and I was like, I literally said these words. There is no way that movie's not going to be great. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I've ever said that. Yes, <laughs> I was so disappointed. That was after the year. That. that was the year Sony went all in on sci-fi because during the summer there was trailers for the Fifth Element. There yeah. was Men in Black and Starship Troopers. Yep. All had Starship Troopers came out in November, and but, two out of the three of those were good. Yep. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I, I look at that movie like that, and I say, yeah, uh, I, I like that ultimately. Uh, however, yes, you have to deal with a lot of Denise Richards and Casper Van Dien <laughs> and Patrick Muldoon yeah. and a lot of these, a lot of these B-list kind of guys. Uh, now, when I was twenty, Denise Richards was the best actress on the planet. <laughs> I think that's probably true for a lot of. And people. then I saw Wild Things, and it confirmed. Yes, confirmed that. <laughs> Give that woman an honorary. That's Oscar. right. That's See, right. Now, <laughs> when I saw Wild Things, it confirmed how much I liked Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah shot mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna go with for an older movie father's day oh yeah wow. now yeah. this should have been <laughs> and was at the time it was such it was at just as big a casting coup as de niro and pacino in heat mm-hmm. yeah because you had at arguably two the two biggest most beloved movie comedians billy crystal yep. and robin williams and you're throwing in julia louis dreyfus from seinfeld mm-hmm. you shouldn't have had to even have a script yeah. To make something funny. Maybe the problem is that they did have a script and that's why it's not funny. Uh it's terrible. It's <laughs> it's not funny. There are very few laughs. Uh it's I just don't even know why you bother bringing together heavy hitters. It's like righteous kill. Yeah. Why do you bother bringing in these heavy hitters, but you don't put any attention into the actual story or the script? Yeah, they, I no think sense. I think they probably thought that because they had these two guys, everything was gonna be okay. They even got Ivan Reitman directed. Yeah. There was and the writing team of Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. That's mm. uh, 
completely did not make that up. Those are the. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to know who that was. <laughs> well, they they were the go to comedy writer guys back in the nineties. Like huh. most of your comedies back in you know back in the nineties had their names on it, or at least they polished it up or whatever. They were like <laughs> go to guys. Now I I guarantee you, if I go and click on their names, there's going to be a load of terrible movies. <laughs> but I think they came up with some good ones. Uh, Parenthood, A League of Their Own. Parenthood's good. City Slickers too. I mean, they were. I mean, they they did a lot of you know good stuff. They did some bad stuff, but they were like a go to comedy team, man. Not, so yeah. you had that. You had Ivan Reitman. You had Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. And yes, you watched that movie, and I was like, "What the hell?" <sighs> yeah, that was also the a weird projection thing. Projection thing for me. Uh, most of the most of the movies back then that were comedies were in flat. There were yeah. the one eight five to one ratio and everything. And like usually, if it was a scope, that meant there was a lot of like you know amazing cinematography that was going to go in. Nowadays, it doesn't really matter. But Father's Day was a scope movie. Oh, weird. And I and I was like, that was a really odd choice huh. for a comedy to be just a scope movie for no reason. <laughs> Two three five to one. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was. That was definitely just yeah, it was a piece of shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, mine is is a is a pretty obvious one. Although I I'm, I'm gonna throw in two honorable mentions, and they're all comic book adaptations. Spider Man mm. Three. Oh yeah, yeah, that yes. was a disappointment. Yeah, I think Spider Man Three. You have to add a lot of things to that as far as my disappointment was concerned because I was actually at that premiere. I've no, I've noted this before. I was at that premiere, uh, and I remember being so excited about it because the first two were great and uh and this third one i thought you know you know sam raimi can do no wrong he can't do any wrong except for for love of the game he can't do anything wrong yeah. and <laughs> and i uh i i was i was ready for it and like you know and then i, I started seeing people filing out of that auditorium and people kind of like eh, <laughs> mumble 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 i was like oh it, it, it can't, it can't be that bad right and then I watched it probably, yeah, I watched it at like one thirty that night, one thirty yeah. in the morning, watched it. After the premiere? After the premiere. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, they were like, oh, you, you can watch it now for free if you want to. Like, of course, of course we can. Um, but uh, yeah, we watched it and, and, you know, it's like four o'clock by the time I'm getting out of there. But I've seen Spider-Man 3 a couple of times since. <laughs> God, it gets worse just, every time. <laughs> oh, so disappointing. So yeah. disappointing. The other, I mean, the other two, same, along the same lines, I think... All, both of these other movies went under the same problems age of ultron and dark knight rises i oh, yeah. could not agree more yeah both of those i think all three of those movies are are poster children for studios interfering and in saying we got to have all of this in here mm-hmm. you know or whatever and instead of like just let's make a simple story it's got to be bigger it's got to be better it's got to be louder <laughs> fucking uh, dark knight rises yeah i went to see with my my father-in-law in chicago mm. i was like man I was legitimately psyched for that movie. I mean, oh, me you come too. off of Dark Knight. You had the whole snafu with the the Rotten Tomatoes uh, fanboys that were getting on there and putting death threats to people who had who had given it a negative mm-hmm. review. And I was like, ah, okay, looks really good. Got done with it. And I didn't immediately just like hate it. I just immediately was disappointed. And as we're walking out, my father-in-law's, well, that fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome all right well here we go i mean of course we'll never we'll never know what that movie would have been like you know had Heath ledger uh you know not died but Mm -hmm. um 
you know, I, I again, you go back I, again, you go back to that whole thing with studios where we got to have this movie within this many years of the last one coming out, and we got to come out with it hell or high water by God. Mm-hmm. And you know, so they didn't have it. I don't, I don't think they have time on these movies ever. When they Age of Ultron, we got to stick all this bullshit in there. Yeah, be sure to stick all the bullshit in Make there. Sure, but, put the Thor scene. Yeah, in the put the Thor in there, and you know. <laughs> uh let's uh crush joss whedon's soul and <laughs> although now he's talking about making a batgirl movie i well, could get behind that oh me too i think he's the perfect person that's for dc that. though so yeah, you know dc's way 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 jumping over more uh progressive than Marvel. but are, isn't what the if you if you filter everybody's complaints about the dc universe right now and you try to boil down the single most common complaint it's that they're too serious yep and who better to bring some joviality to the universe than fucking Joss Whedon? Mm-hmm. Man, I would eat it up. I'm yeah. Ready. Uh, which movie character would you want as a best friend? For example, mine would be John Leguizambo as Martin in Chef. That is a great suggestion, that by the way. That is a good way. one. Um, anybody willing to give out their dream job to follow me around in a food truck seems like the best kind of friend. I think that's awesome. So who would be your best friend? And I'll start. I love Jay from Clerks. Mm. Right. Because mm-hmm. he talks all the time. He's a, he's he's funny as shit. He's got all the drugs. He's out there like, you know, going to parties and everything. You don't have to say shit. You just have to like follow him along and enjoy the ride and everything and just kind of hang out and be like Silent Bob. It takes all the pressure off of you. And, you know, you maybe get like a little filtration effect from the, pe- the girls that don't want to get with Jay. They come your way. Mm hmm. Yeah. Not bad. Um, I got one. Okay. I want Matthew McConaughey from Tropic Thunder because (laughs) he's truly all about Tug Speedman. His phone ring when Tug calls is sometimes when we touch and he gets angry on Tug's behalf. He flies all the way out to fucking Vietnam or Laos, wherever, to throw the Tebo in the way of the rocket. Like he's totally a sacrificial friend who cares deeply about his his client slash friend. That's who I would choose because he's just all in. That's awesome. Hmm. That's a great pick. Interesting. Uh, let's see. I'm running through the gamut of all the movies I know. <laughs> that could take a while. Yeah. You know, just trying to come up with something quick. Like I was sitting there thinking, well, maybe Brian, uh, Bill Murray in Lost in Translation, but I don't know if he would be a great friend, actually. He seems kind of all in for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Dazed and Confused pops into my head. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of people in there like the the... The group in the car with that uh, that's got Marissa Rabisi and mm-hmm. um, and it's got uh, Adam Goldberg, um, but those group of pr- friends seem like like really like those would be my my people basically. Mm-hmm. They're the nerdy group. Uh, they're the nerdy group, and like um, uh, you know, I I love that whole I I love that whole thing where where uh, Adam Goldberg's going through his whole thing like. It's like, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I, I was going to try to help people and everything, but now I realize I don't really like people. I, just, <laughs> I, I, I really don't like them at all and everything. And so I say, you know, I guess, I guess I'm just being, I'm, I'm just being okay, okay with being, being a misanthrope. It's like everything. So it's like, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that whole thing with him too, where he, where he runs into Clint, the, you know, at the party <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, 
and Clint is like, you know, this asshole, like just because you run into him, that's going to be a reason for a fight and everything. And, <laughs> but he comes up to his friends and he's like, he's like, he's like, no, no, I figured it out. I want to punch him. And then, and then, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a, a thing where the, everybody doesn't want to upset the herd. So I figure I get one punch in and he'll, and then everybody will come in, they'll break up the fight and everything. Yeah. Be, and he actually goes and punches him because of that logic and everything. So yeah, those guys, I think that was nice. a good, good answer. Good. Yeah. All right. Last one. We'll wrap it up with this. I am starting a summer job at my local movie theater, and I was wondering if there's any advice you could give me or any other newly hired movie theater employee to not get fired. Oh, to not get fired. I was about to tell you, don't go into movie theaters. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, let me let me answer this uh, circularly. All right. Depending on what chain you're working for, it's a lot harder to get fired than you might think it is. <laughs> Because That's true. the company does not want to get sued for wrongful termination. Uh-huh. Um, and so the process to fire you at a place like Regal where we worked, you have to commit several violations of a certain seriousness inside of a year. Mm-hmm. So if your drawer comes up short by 10 bucks or whatever, they're not going to fire you. They're going to give you a verbal warning. Hey, uh-huh. your drawer was short. Count better next time. If your drawer is short again in six months, they're going to write you a written warning. Mm-hmm. You still have like one more after that before they're even going to think about suspending you and asking HR if they're allowed to fire you. Wow. Um, and you even, get 20 bucks. Even thieves. All right. So I'm going to mm-hmm. tell a story without names. We we had a guy steal $900 from the box office of Hollywood while, while selling tickets. And we had it on camera. Now, the manager at the time much to her detriment, had a reputation for telling employees she had them on camera when she didn't Oh, as an intimidation way to get them to resign because it's easier to t- accept a resignation than to fire someone in this company. This guy didn't blink. Mm-hmm. And when I checked, circled back to check on it later, I ended up changing to a different theater and then came back and talked to somebody and they never, they never ended up prosecuting him because the, it just wasn't worth the money to send a high-priced lawyer down to court for a couple of hours trying to get 900 bucks back. Hmm. Um, and they were able to terminate him because of the video evidence or what have you, but it never, it, the law never took it any further than that. Wow. And so I say that to say, uh, you know, short of general crimes, <laughs> murder, stabbing, what have you, uh, takes a lot of work to get fired from a movie theater. It Just does, enjoy the popcorn. Man. I, I knew when I was in New York, there was a manager of a really big theater out there who like threatened some customer's life or some crap like that. I'm, I'm probably embellishing it, but there's, it was one of those type of things. They got in an argument and it was like, you know, some sort of like, I'm going to kill you type of thing. Uh, but whatever. And, and they, all they did to her was like, she, Oh, now you're going to be an assistant manager at another theater. Yeah. <laughs> Transfer you. Yeah. And, uh, and, but yeah, that's funny. There were a lot of things that people did that I was like that. Oh, you're going to be immediately fired. And they didn't get fired. And then there were times where there was like people stole hot dog buns and they got fired. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, there's a lot. It, it really depends on how edgy your manager is, I guess. Mm. Um. Yeah. You do have to go through the written stepped process and everything to to uh, get fired. I only got written up one time and it was complete bullshit, by the way. Still, that's the, funny because you could have been written up for legitimate things. I could have been, <laughs> but you just weren't. Yeah, I could have been. Um, but like, uh, yeah, it was. They have to go through all this this process to get you fired and everything. And yeah, you have to do some really. I mean, I I dealt with some people who were horrible at their jobs and everything, and they 
they'd get written up, but they'd always get written up just enough not to get because after a year it's done. Yep. Wow. Yep. So, so you're probably not going to get fired over a summer. So yeah, you don't should steal from enjoy. a theater. Yeah, and you're probably going to be okay. Don't steal. Don't do. Watch free movies. Eat free popcorn. There's some real common sense things yeah. in there that you know. Like, <laughs> and, and I don't want to like totally shit on working at a movie theater. Like when I was 16, it was the best thing in the world. Yeah, it was awesome. It was uh, when I look back at my you know age 16 and going to movie theater, it was the best. Yeah. Watching movies for free yeah. and uh, and even like just working with other people and everything and learning you know just getting new friends and everything exciting but mm. yeah and once you can make it a career it's yeah. awful <laughs> all right um that'll do it for the syncast this week hopefully you love our choice i love our choice yeah me too man. um so um i guess tell us what you think you would have picked out of this whole group um, mm -hmm. and everything go to soundcloud and give us your thoughts yeah we had a a flurry you may say a blizzard of comments mm. on our last mm. episode. A uh, lot, maybe some of the most uh, comments that we've had ever. A lot of them were angry. Yeah, because we picked against their movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably going to be even more on this episode. Uh, but let us know. It's fine. You can if you need to vent somewhere, vent to us. Yeah, uh, we know it's all from love. Yeah. I mean, did, I, I did we have so. did we have a lot of Schindler's List fallout? Uh, not a lot. No. In fact, the ones I saw morning Schindler's List passing were kind of laughing about it. Like, oh, no, poor Oscar. Like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So what was it? Jaws then? What was the big one? What was the one that everybody... Back to the Future, the Matrix seemed Back to, to be the, the Future, the Matrix was, was a big one. Um, some people think that Pulp Fiction is overrated. It probably is. Like, you know what? I mean, here's the thing. Almost a lot, all these movies that we've talked about are overrated. Probably. That's yeah. the thing. Once it gets to a certain level, like we were talking about the legendary status of these movies. Mm -hmm. uh, once it becomes a legend, it's overrated because, you know, it, I, I always uh, compare it to stuff like our sports heroes. Like we talk about Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and all them in the back, you know, Mickey Mantle, all these people uh, that like they never struck out, did they? They yeah. never struck out once. They 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 all all they did was hit homers. <laughs> yeah. That's how that's how much we've got them built up in their exactly. in, you know. That's the same thing with movies, guys. Yeah. You know, like movies, you know, Jaws and all these. We we they're they are great. They're as, as perfect as it gets, but you know, in a format like this, sometimes yeah. you're gonna have to go down. It's gonna be carnage. That's right. But yeah, keep keep commenting. We love it. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I love her voice. Yeah. It's just the right amount of manly. Mm -hmm. Do you like yeah. Lucinda Williams? Huh? Do you like Lucinda Williams? Yeah, I do. Yeah, she's I'm got the same. I'm gonna go to Slidell and look for my joy. <laughs> they took my joy. I want it back. You know that song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just spent five days with my wife, my brother, and his family, and my mom and dad mm -hmm. at the Disney World Animal Kingdom Resort. Mm-hmm. We went to all the parks. We visited about half the other resorts just for dinners at mm. fancy restaurants. Not one piece of Wreck-It Ralph merchandise anywhere I saw. Hmm. What? Not one. Hmm. Now, 
I'm sure someone's going to come on and go, I work at Disney and we sell Wreck-It Ralph in this store, <laughs> the back corner of this Squeaky park. Squeaky voice team from the Simpsons. I'm just telling you, my wife and my mom <laughs> love to fucking shop. And we went into every shop we saw. And I never saw one piece of Wreck-It Ralph merchandise anywhere. That doesn't make sense. And I, I'll tell you why. That doesn't make any sense. Because they're stupid. <laughs> but also, they front load all of their merchandise shops with films that have sequels coming up. Oh, yeah. So it was pirate shit everywhere, guardian shit everywhere, mm. car shit everywhere. But still, I you know how much Wreck-It Ralph shit I would have bought if they'd have had anything? Yeah. A shirt, a figure, something? No. I didn't see anything anywhere. There's that massive store in downtown Disney that is like all things Disney. That That's you can the find, only like, we didn't go to Song Di- of the South shit. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't go to Di- downtown Disney. That's the only place we didn't go. Oh really? Um, like they call it Disney Springs now. But oh really? Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I was so disappointed with all the parks and all the resorts. You couldn't find you couldn't find one little shop to squirrel away some Wreck It Ralph gear. You got a sequel coming? You yeah, I know. They didn't the have a record. Is it Ralph? coming soon, though? It was yeah, announced like next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you should have some ki- record. Ralph. You should at least have a keychain in there. You know, I was like, something that you could press the button and it's, uh, it is like, <laughs> you know, something like that. I expected to see the actual Wreck-It Ralph video game console from the movie. Yeah, you yeah. could play somewhere or something. No, nothing. or at least the character where you can get an autograph. Yeah, no. I mean, they had weird shit. They had like Jake and the Neverland Pirates. I'll tell you what, that's some weird shit though. We were walking through the Animal Kingdom, and there's a guy dressed up in a Bugs Life costume, like he's the main character from oh, yeah? Bugs Life. And there's a line of like 50 people to get his autograph. Wow. And I'm like, you're you're gonna get a sunburn. To have some jamoke in a suit sign your, I mean, he probably smells like ashtray and is going to have a six pack when he gets off work. You don't know who's in there. It's just a costume. You can imagine what those things, those helmets smell like. I know. Get, I mean. You imagine like a, like a guy at the bowling alley like that sprays out the shoes. Like he's got to do that with the helmets. At least the ones that are like characters that don't have helmets like Cinderella yeah, yeah. or Mary Poppins that looks like the character and little kids. I get that. Yeah. But hey, let's have this guy in a suit sign your <laughs> shit. We went to one of the places we ate. Is at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. Oh, that place is awesome. It is awesome. And they have a, a character uh, restaurant where you're guaranteed to have two Disney characters come in during your dining experience and, you know, pose with your kids for pictures. Is it like Jackrabbit Slims? Well, sort of. <laughs> but, like, I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm enjoying my prime rib. I'm eating. I'm, I don't want this. And yet, <laughs> uh, fucking, what's Mickey's dog's name? Pluto. Pluto walks up. Yeah. And he holds his hand up for a high five from me. The first guy. There's three children at this table. And he comes to me first. And I was like, hey, it's cool. The kids are down there. And he just hangs his hand out there until I give him fucking five. And I'm like, I should never book this dinner. Anyway, my point is my niece and nephew got his autograph. Uh-huh. Guy in a smelly suit. Yeah. I mean, for all you know, that's a sex offender. And now he probably wouldn't hire a sex offender to do that. Cut that part out. <laughs> anyway, no wreck it Ralph shit in he's Disney. He's probably the goofy that's there. And like you say, he's a sex offender. And it's like, you know, like, okay. This opens defamation. up an investigation. Yeah. I'm just saying, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know who's in there. That's true. Yeah. I was uh, the other day, somebody was talking about, um, what was it? I think it was, it was at your party, Barrett. Mm-hmm. We were talking about 
how much Disney's making with all these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Marvel, they've got their animation, they've got Star Wars and all that. I think it I think it was the first time I really sort of sat back and considered how much money they're probably making with all the merchandise. This is I mean my experience the last five days blew my mind. Like, I even told my wife, I don't even know why they bother making movies. They're making so much money at these resorts, mm-hmm. hand over fist. Oh, because yeah. now when you check in, if you're staying on the property at one of the resort hotels, you get a magic band. Yep. And it's RFID <laughs> chip enabled. So, and you use that as your room key. They mm-hmm. don't give you a proper room key. Mm-hmm. You use that as your park admittance. And you can fucking pay for shit anywhere on the resort property or park property, but just holding your wrist up to the yep. thing. And it's so easy yeah. to just bink, 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 <laughs> charge all this shit to your room. And you're, I mean, everything's so expensive. Yeah. Um, and I just, I can't, I can't believe how much money they're making. And it's, it's a small country down there mm-hmm. in terms of the, just the operation itself. Mm-hmm. I was super impressed actually. Um, but they're making a killing on those parks. I actually read an article while I was down there that their annual report or their quarterly report came in. Park revenue and movie revenue are both up 20 and 21%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yes, they're making bank down I mean, at Disney. They're making, they're, they're, they're making billions of dollars worldwide on almost every movie they release. Like Beauty and the Beast the other day, I was... Yeah, I was looking at that. I was like, yeah, right. I was like sitting there going, this is in the top 10 of all time. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that happen? And domestic, I, it's over like 500, 600 million or something like yeah, that. It it's a, a it's about amount. 500 right now. Wow. I, it, wait, let me look at this real quick because it was, I think I looked at it and it was actually in the top 10 domestic, but it could be just worldwide. Jesus. It was that. It well, was I know it that, went over a billion worldwide pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Prestige worldwide. And now they're probably going to make some bullshit never existed before a sequel. About how he gets beasted again, or maybe Bell, will t- <laughs> maybe Bell will turn into the beast this time. Beasted too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there was a movie called Beastly. They're gonna have uh, yep. to like pay CBS Films some money for that one. <laughs> yeah, Beauty and the Beast is number eight all time. Now, obviously, these figures don't mean as much as they used to when you got get in the top ten anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, you know, now if you get a movie that's uh, anyway, halfway decent, uh, that, you know, people want to go see, then it's going to shoot up into that yeah. 408, 488 million. But yeah, you look at it now, it, the top 10 is filled with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies that have come out in the last eight years. Wow. Huh. Is Avatar still number one? No. Force Awakens. Man. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Force Awakens handily beat it too. Like it was crazy how much it beat it. What is it up to now? Uh, the The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. Oh, Force Awakens made nine hundred and thirty six million when it when it came out. Yeah, yeah. This Last Jedi movie will not make that at all. There's no way it's going to make that because um, it doesn't have the build up. <laughs> it doesn't have the build up. It's not going to have the same configuration because Force Awakens came out. It had like this amazing, like it was almost three weeks of holiday, basically. Yeah, because it was right it was before Christmas, up. right? It was right before Christmas. Then it got Christmas. And then it, like the way New Year's fell and everything, people weren't getting back to school until like the following yeah. week. So it had like an extra week in there. And it made most of its money there, too. It was like six, seven hundred million right there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it made an extra 232 million. Well, The Last Jedi has a better director, so might be a better movie. Might yeah. not make as much money. Yeah. Ryan Johnson is better a better director than J.J. Abrams? Hands down. Really? I like J.J. Abrams. 
I really do. I just think he's consistently B plus A minus, and Ryan Johnson's got A plus potential all through his resume. All right, Looper. He did um, Brick. He did Brick. Brick. He did the two best episodes of Breaking Bad, in my opinion. Yeah, Ozymandias and the the, the Fly. The Fly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's another one he did back in the Brick era that I watched that was great. Um, I don't remember the name of it. Hmm. Everything I've seen that he directed was great. I don't know, man. J.J. Abrams is good. Well, it's just that J.J. Abrams <clears throat> dots his... Like, I love the first Star Trek, mm-hmm. 2009. Um, Into Darkness is arguably bad. Yeah, it depends on the day <laughs> I watch it. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? And, like, Super 8 is good, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. not going to call it great. Mm-hmm. And Force Awakens is good, but I'm not going to call it great. Yeah. I think we might get a great film out of Ryan Johnson here, because I, I think J.J. Abrams is... I hate this distinction, but here it's going to come out of my mouth. J.J. Abrams makes movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Johnson makes films. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. I'm a snob. Go through the names real quick. Or okay. read at normal speed and speed it up in editing and keep <laughs> could the Could do that, the too. <laughs> you could do that, too. And somewhere in there, Chris, you have to throw in something about some whore you fucked. Um, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did heroin and weed. Then Jaws beat Rushmore, and then I fucked this girl, and then I had two, and I snorted cocaine off their boobs, and then L.A. Confidential lost a sideways somehow. <laughs> I might have sucked a dick. Yeah, <laughs> I mm-hmm. love the James Vanderbeek story about taking that girl back to his room and pl- playing one of his original songs, and then segueing into a medley of Counting Crows. <laughs> <laughs>